It's nitpicky, sure, but this pod is not about me being reasonable. Welcome to Five Fins. Hello, world. Hello. We are back to record what I think is going to be, if not informative, and at least an entertaining episode on a fish show that took place in 1991. And I say that because uh, you seem like you are extra ready to go, we were just saying before the break. Yeah, you know, I, I am, but always as soon as the mic turns on, I, I get a little shaky. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see where we go. We'll see what we get to. I'm I definitely ready to talk about this show, though. I wanted to throw this out there quick to our audience. I saw a story that uh, Rolling Stone magazine no longer is doing five star reviews. It's uh, got album true. reviews. It's got it was published in Rolling Stone magazine <laughs> online. Um, and really though, and uh, we just wanted to you know let all of our listeners know. Rest assured, uh, the five fin system is not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It'll change, granted. It's always going to change. Yeah, but, uh, we'll change it at some point. But, but there's always not, there's always going to be five fins. We're never going to let you down. There's always, if when when you need five fins, you know you know which podcast to turn <laughs> to. So uh, you know, I'm just saying we'll see we'll see who comes out on top here between us and Rolling it's, Stone. You know, I mean, it's, oh, pre- it's definitely going to be us. Well, Rolling Stone, <laughs> you know, like what what are they like a national international <laughs> conglomerate of of music journalism? Get out of here. I wanted to bring up the five fin system uh, as our introduction here, uh, and not just for that reason, but because we're about to do a show that took place on March 13th of 1991, um, and there's more background I can get into uh, when we go a little bit farther down the road here, but Dinner. I wanted to bring up to you as a sort of uh, idea for our opening segment a uh, the idea of the automatic four, which we've talked about Ooh. before on uh, on podcasts. And uh, I wanted to bring it up because I've been thinking about it a lot in conjunction with this show. Um, And (laughs) (laughs) the reason I say that is because when I added this extra wrinkle to the system where, for those who maybe this is your first time listening, when we play five fins, we rank each song one uh, to five fins. And then whatever fins we do not use, so for example, if I give something a three, that means that there's two left. We can put them onto any song that we want that we think is even better than a five. I did that because I thought that it might be more equitable to some of the really crazy, interesting jams that we get across to not just say extra fins every time and kind of equate everything. Right. Uh, but when I came out of the last game, I had 22 and a half and you had seven and a half. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is... Um, Potentially a little bit of a problem. Plus, I kind of thought that I had kind of thought about this idea already when we talked about the automatic four of making that fin optional to pick up, like whether you want it or not. So I think I'm definitely going to uh, to option all of my automatic fours for the time being to not picking them up because, you know, I didn't actually get into this to do a bunch of math. I just wanted something to talk about. <laughs> so I mean, hey, you don't you don't have to pick them up. You can leave them on the ground. But uh, if you if you walk away and I don't think you're coming back to the lawn, I might I might snag it myself. So on the contrary, I am literally keeping a running tally of them as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> There's no escaping. It'll be the... like when I dropped my uh, brand new water bottle at that one show at SPAC, and the, it like landed it basically in someone's lap. And yeah, they just started walking away with it, which is understandable. If a water bottle just falls into your lap, like what? Do you, it's a cool water bottle. Why wouldn't you? Was that, fish or, down. was that fish or? Dave? Yeah, I can't, oh, it was. Yeah, it was fish. Yeah. yeah, I dropped it, landed right in a wolfcat's lap, uh, and I had to chase her down. Which is, you know, that's not the way I want to talk to a wolfcat. Like, <laughs> fish girls are great. 
I'd rather try to converse with them normally. I do not remember this event. I have to be specific. Ugh. Was this like 2012, 2013? Like way no, back? No, it would have been. Oh, wait. Maybe you weren't there then. Mike was definitely there. We were standing near a. Uh, we were standing near. Oh, I think it was me and Mike actually then. We were standing near. Oh, 2019? Um, yeah, it must have been 2019, there? the mm. second show. We were standing near with the walk bridges that go up to the mezzanine. And uh, you know how if you're standing right up against it, you can like set stuff on the walkway? Yeah. Well, I set my water bottle on there and then it got knocked over when the rush came and it landed in, on the cement and started rolling down the hill. Basically, like right into uh, someone's lap, oh, and man. they were walk. They were like walking. They had just gotten up with their friends, and they like started to walk away with it. I think they were looking to give it back to someone who it maybe had fallen from, but uh, I just came from behind, and I was like, "Excuse me, that's <laughs> my water bottle." Oh man, that is a yeah. That's a rough adventure to have to go through. Like as the, this is like when the band's coming on stage. Yeah, it, it must have been uh, right right before they came on. That's because, the worst too. Is like you want to get into uh, the show and then you're like, "Oh shit, my water bottle! Come back, come back!" Oh, that's terrible. Ooh. Yeah, it was it was it was messed I'm up. I'm glad but you got it back. Show though. ended up being freaking amazing because they opened with Fluffhead. See now, how's see, that for a wink, right? Well, so, yeah. So now you. Oh yes, that's yes. Okay, good move. I actually I I thought you were just twisting the knife there. Like, oh, I do remember the show, by the way. <laughs> no, if I wanted to twist the knife, I would be like, they they, they played Fee that night. <laughs> anyway, so today's episode is uh, not about uh, recent shows. Uh, <laughs> it is about 1991, which is the earliest we've gone in terms of the ones we've recorded. Do you remember by any chance back when we first were trying to record, we did one about an 88 show? I 88. do. Seven maybe it was it was I think it was eighty eight was it, it was uh, also it was, in, in Colorado as well wasn't it Yeah uh, no no it was in like it was in like New Hampshire or something uh, So <laughs> uh, nineteen ninety one there's a there's there's a lot to get into here about this but I wanted to bring up first of all the reason that I picked this show um, which is manifold one uh, one way one reason one fold <laughs> was that. Uh, <laughs> This is actually a show that you and I pre uh podcasting did uh like we were just talking about this before we got on actually that we were like texting back and forth like listening to this back in the sort of um syncing uh shows just audio and and texting back and forth era. <laughs> yes. And uh yeah, I uh I did actually go back and and look cuz I didn't like feel like going all the way back to that, but that's the, I think one of the reasons I always like kind of come back to this show is that um I came to it because of a fish.net thread that, man, I tried so hard to find in the discussion board from way back that was somebody saying, what's a show that has like almost every one of like fish's biggest songs in some ways. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so that was my first introduction to it. And then I would just, for some reason that just became a tape that I would just go back to anytime I wanted the hit of like early nineties Trey running everything version of the band. I was like, this is this is the show I want to go back to. And so it's funny because we haven't talked about the band on the podcast this early on in their career yet. So I was curious, like, what was your, uh, if any, relation to, like, this period prior to, uh, to doing the pod? Uh, well, very, very little. I feel like, as you know, I'm I'm really a 3.0 guy, as as ridiculous as, we've as established. that sounds to yes. anybody who listens to Fish. Uh, but I I I knew of of what this was like, and I, I I remember listening to shows that you had recommended me from uh, this era 
um, and right like right around the time, maybe a little bit before. Like I think I've listened to a couple '88 shows that were recommended by you over the course of our friendship. Yeah, so I, I had like that kind of idea at least of what was going on in this period. And other than that, though, it was just stuff that I had read and uh, knew from reading the Parker Peter Park Pewterball book and just different like interviews from back then, trying to tap into whatever made this band tick. Yeah, because it's funny with me because a lot of these uh, earlier eras to me are almost like represented by specific shows. So this was kind of like my impression of 91 for a while was kind of the show as I was looking back on it I was like yeah I don't really specifically go back to this early when I'm just recreationally like listening to them it's usually either at least right. late 90s or now you know um right. and but I've always loved it I mean I've always really loved uh the kind of guitar driven crazy version of of them going back to this was funny because uh listening to other 1991 shows I think I have a greater appreciation for that year and to be honest, maybe a slightly lesser appreciation of this show. Not to say I don't love the show, because it, it really is like one of my favorites. It's like very near and dear to my heart, because it's like one I've heard a lot. But going back, I was like, man, there were a lot more bangers back then than I <laughs> than I was giving ninety one yeah. credit for. Um, I don't know how I, you uh, felt about same. that. Yeah, yeah same. Uh, I know there were a couple moments where I was like, that's why we're doing this, though, right? I mean, it's yeah, like, oh yeah, it is. <laughs> it's like Dan, Dan, you need to listen to things that aren't just post 2013 and i'm like well i and, i don't know if i do and then i listen to shows like these and i'm like all right maybe i could dabble a little <laughs> bit i guess it's the same with me too because you know i i i think when i if left to your own devices you do kind of gravitate towards i'm saying this about me too like going back to so shows you were actually at you know because you have the memory of the show and the music so right. if, if you're going back to like here's stuff i yeah i, I, yeah, I tend to pick like specific the, eras uh, Here's that that makes sense. Here's here's the example I'll give or the analogy that I'll give. This was like if you had given me a fun dip and I had finished <laughs> the uh you know like the sh let's say the show is the sugar stick that you dip into the fun dip itself, right? Okay. And you know that always runs out before the sugar runs out like the dip. <laughs> um so right, I finished naturally. the stick and then I just kept doing that thing where you lick your finger and you start swirling it around in the, yeah. the blue dust that was that's that's the analogy i give for this show that the way you're describing that is not only illuminating and a great way to prove your point but also it really yeah fun dip really was just like introducing drugs to children wasn't it i never really mm -hmm. thought about that mm -hmm. until just now like how those oh man, pixie sticks smarties all of that yeah because like the um uh, and like cool those kool-aid jammer things that look like beer bottles Ooh. Ooh, that baby. was like your introduction the to twist that. off tops like the mondos oh yeah come on oh man do they still oh my make God, those? They were twist off tops. You're so right. I didn't even think about that until just now. It was literally like un unscrewing a beer, one twist and it pops off. And it was like shaped like a. I mean, you could say soda bottle, but yeah. But we were born. You know what? Actually, that's a funny <laughs> point. I was gonna say we were born uh, after they stopped doing stuff like that. But here's uh, speaking of being born. Is this this is the only show yeah. that we have done where I was born and you were not? I'm so glad you brought it up because that was in my notes. I was gonna say that's dear, so random. How well do you remember the show? Because I'm sure as a uh, whatever month old you were, like you were to your mom oh, was like, let's go out to Colorado. <laughs> yeah, you know my my parents definitely not uh, just huge. They're just huge huge fish heads, right? Not uh, not into the '80s scene at all. Um, no, I do. I unfortunately do not remember this show. Uh, Although the the one just thing I can it, say. Yeah, from childhood, I do remember, my parents, I should say, remember when the good old fish from Vermont came to Camp Oswego, which is near where I live, 
and uh, yeah. basically shut down the. There's only two roads into Oswego, three if you count going from the west or and east, and uh, you were not getting into Oswego over the course of uh, those two days. That memory is long lasting too. I remember another person who is from Oswego who I will who I'll who I'll bring up off the air to you, <laughs> whose only knowledge. I, of oh, I know who I know who you know who it is. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Okay, his that, his last name is is one of the songs. Uh, yep, and uh, <laughs> and he uh, that was his lasting memory of it as well was uh, <laughs> was like you couldn't get anywhere. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, that's yeah, so crazy. It's it's funny to think about that, and also on a historical note, I wanted to bring up uh, something else that I thought was kind of interesting, which is that uh, this show takes place on March. 13th of 1991 one day later on March 14th of 1991 according to dmbalmanac.com is the first ever Dave Matthews band show that took place in uh, in, uh, Charlottesville Virginia at Trax nightclub and um, I kind of wanted to bring that up just because it's sort of crazy to think about this timeline because Fish at this point has been a band since I mean you could say 83 but really like with the lineup 85 um, Dave Matthews Band is like just forming and about to play their first show, and I think they had done like recording before that and stuff and had met before that. But and they found commercial success <laughs> in less than two years. Yeah, with they had completely like lapped fish in terms of success. Yeah, based not that. Yeah. Um, of course, as we all know, not that the 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 fish was looking for a, that brand of commercial success, and I I don't know that they would have enjoyed that either because if we look at like Spin Doctors. And uh, Blues Traveler, other bands around that time that had uh, that type of you're talking that, about yeah, that the did find lane. success. Yeah, like the Horde people. Yeah, they, you know those those bands. They they still we've seen Blues Traveler and they still jam, but it's not you know they can't really go for it the way that Fish was able to go for it throughout the '90s because they never got pinned down to something from the radio. Yeah, I mean, of course, we saw Blues Traveler years later, but yeah, I know what you mean. It's those the bands of that time, though. It is funny how yeah, while Dave was on that kind of like horde, that or DMB, I should say, was like on that kind of like horde tour, wetlands <laughs> scene, you know. Then yeah, within yeah. you know within a matter of like you said, like a year and a half, they are like you know, like a huge commercial popular band with the release of Under the Table and Dreaming and. And so I think it's funny because um, it, it's funny to think about this gig. Also, like, keep in mind, like, Nevermind by Nirvana has not been released yet when this has is getting played. Like, we are really talking about, like, a different musical landscape in a lot of ways. Yeah. The Grateful Dead are still on tour. The Dead are still very much around, yeah, and, 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 and very popular. Um, yeah, it's just kind of an interesting uh, era to think about uh, this show existing in because I feel like... Yeah, it was definitely a slow burn for fish, right? I think that, you know, even if you were to look at the venues, like now you think, well, fish and Dave Matthews play the same size venues. But, you know, at the time to think about the fact that like they were still kind of, at least for a small period here, like just definitely like way behind them. But now it sort of feels like they, they, they it's all kind of come around. So I just thought it was interesting to think like this is one of the last gigs while they're like the predecessor band. It's kind of funny, even though, they're not a predecessor to them, obviously, but I, I don't think that the members of Dave knew that Fish existed <laughs> prior to. <laughs> yeah. Not well. I mean, you know, it depends on whose uh, logic you're using there. Because if we follow the logic of <laughs> the religion that uh, 
that I have crafted. They they did technically like Dave and them are connected in many ways throughout time and space. But that's that's neither here nor there. We'll have we're gonna have to do a whole opening segment. But uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. I thought that that it's it's fascinating to think about them at this time. Also, the whole piece about them in Colorado. I was gonna do more about this, but I think you know I I figured. We're going to hit a bunch more shows from there and probably do some stuff from Dick's. But yeah, obviously, there's the Colorado 88 shows that were released that are really important in their history in terms of, I think, people, you know, literally getting in vans and driving out to Colorado and kind of staking ground <laughs> there. And obviously, it's a state that's still uh, very important to them to this day. So Trey even calls it out from the stage. Like, yeah. it's always great to be back here in Colorado. So um, I've never been to Colorado. Have you? No, yeah. we came close. We but, didn't go there. Uh, Spent a little, uh, spent a little, uh, we, uh, a little hard in New Orleans. And, we uh, had a couple long nights in various cities, and <laughs> and <laughs> Colorado just was wasn't in the cards. But uh, so yeah, I think we've done a pretty good job here setting the scene. Um, Fish would also do the. Um, I was going to bring this up as well that the they did the tour later that year with the horn section. Um, one of those is on oh, is yeah. uh, live Fish nineteen which used to get uh, some regular airplay with us in college, if I remember correctly. So definitely an interesting year. I mean, um, I'm really looking forward to kind of diving into it with you because I think think we're probably going to disagree about a lot of things in this episode, and it's going to be in a lot of interesting ways. So. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's true. Another thing I think around this time as well um, is when they signed their Yeah, there's deal. that whole piece of it as well. Or they were in the right. works. And, and so, so. They're, they are becoming like a, a, a bigger uh, band. And I mean, I think Absolute Go-Go basically folded, right? The <laughs> record company they were on before. Yeah, and apparently they Fish never got their money back. I didn't realize that, but uh, they never got any of the money from the sales from absolute go go. Wow, I you know what? I did not even know that. You could have done that as a sneak attack. Yeah. Um, oh, that would have been funny. Yeah, it was in uh, <laughs> sneak attack. It was in um it was in uh the an interview I read with uh Page where he said, "Yeah, we, we basically we didn't get anything from that. They folded and uh, yeah. took our money with them." I mean, not to like, be this guy, sucks. but I don't know how much money do you think that was? <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. that they were popping in terms of like <laughs> record sales, but it does I mean, we can definitely the, the, did. fold. So it didn't. Yeah, it wasn't a boon to Absolute Go Go Records, but yeah, they're they're on Electra now, and Electra at this point, it, it's also funny uh, that plays into the show as well. That um, I want to say, Ween was there at this time as well, and oh man, we'll talk about this when we get to the show. But this might be the most kind of like Ween adjacent era of the band in some ways. I think before they kind of maybe were great, great point i i can i totally agree with that thank you actually when we get to specific songs i think we can actually even hit on like times where that's happening versus times where you can maybe tell sort of glimpses of of different things to come so it is an interesting discussion to have because like i said with 1991 i think i was a little bit tunnel visioned on it for a while so it's uh it's definitely a show that i've worn out (laughs) in a good way all right, let's do this thing. We're, when we come back, we are going to we're right, we're baby. going into a time machine. We're going into the early 1990s, and we are going to listen to a great fish show that took place on March 13, 1991, at the Boulder Theater in Boulder, Colorado.
to five fins. Hey yo. We are gathered here on this podcast evening to discuss the fish performance that took place on March thirteenth of nineteen ninety one. So mm. are you ready to dive right into our track by track? I am very ready. Let me ask you this before we hit the first one. Do you uh-huh. think that if this set gets played today, if this show gets played today, does it become like historic just based on the songs? Yeah, I mean, that's a hard thing to figure out though, right? Because I mean, yeah. they only have a certain amount of songs at this point. So every show you go back to from like the early 90s is like, they right. played what? But like, it's, of yeah. course they did because, yeah. right? yeah. There's nothing so, else they, they had. How great is it also that a British person introduces the band during this show? Yeah, so the introduction is fantastic. Um, it, it's the first time we've ever had an introduction on the podcast. And uh, <laughs> favorites here at the theater. <laughs> That's how I should have introduced the whole podcast was just like, <laughs> it's all like the, right. Yeah. Welcome to, welcome to another fun night here at Five Fins. And if you needed favorites like a- here at the theater. And if you needed a, another example of Fish and the Dead being different, right? Like the Dead have Sam Cutler as like the most brash uh, British person in the entire world, and then this this guy who introduces yeah. Fish is just like the most posh version of the Sam Cutler. Yeah, yes, he's the opposite. Yeah, although completely <laughs> unrelated to the band. Uh, I didn't look it up or anything, but I'm assuming this is like the who you know the uh, proprietor of the Boulder Theater. Must be um, Theater. I forgot to mention this in the intro. I just watched a uh, a performance of Joe Russo's Almost Dead from the Boulder Theater like the a Ata? few years ago. The Ata. Nice. They, they were presumably favorites. And uh, it's funny to see it just by coincidence. Like, oh, so yeah, cool. They're still uh, definitely, you know, doing jam banjos <laughs> and uh and rocking it out so and it looks like a lovely nice little uh small place to see a jam band you know yeah, so, yeah it could you be can fun. smell it when you see the pictures you know what i mean <laughs> it's one of those you know um but there weren't any real first-hand accounts of it on uh, fish.net there's just somebody doing like a review the favorites here at the theater are opening this set with fluffhead this deserves to be mentioned that um, the first, very, very first thing you hear on this tape is Trey saying, ready, fish, which always makes me laugh. And then <laughs> when they, then he does the intro and then they launch into Fluffhead. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bowl of Theater for another fun night. Please, let's welcome back favorites here at the theater. Please, a big welcome for fish. I'm going to give you the floor here first, and then oh. I'm going to come in after. So, Dan, what did you think of Fluffhead as the uh, as the opening track? Well, I should say that I, I gave it five fins. Um, I, was, I was torn about it at first, but then I was like, you know, it's, it is interesting to hear the difference in the sonic quality, not because of the tape, but just because of the, uh, the, the instruments that are being used. You know what I mean? Like... Gordon's still using the original Languedoc yeah. uh, or his second one, I think. Uh, and that it sounds so different. I think he's still playing with his fingers at that point. Yes, I don't think he he I don't think he went full time to playing with a pick until nineteen ninety four ish. Yeah. Three maybe. Yeah. So and then uh, of course Fluff Hen, 
uh, is is mentioned the fluff hen. Uh, fluff hen. Great, uh, great stuff. You can hear the energy right off the bat of where the band is going with this show just immediately. Uh, which it's one of those things, right? Like fluff head to start a show is uh, it's a lot, a bunch. Uh, it didn't disappoint though. There's some distortion. Uh, Trey's guitar around nine minutes, like the distortion in that guitar is just unreal. Um, and you can like hear how loud uh, the sound coming off the stage is. I don't know really how to explain that any better, but like you can really just hear the sheer volume of yeah. the band. I don't know if it has something to do with it being a smaller venue than we're used to and like the sound not being necessarily uh, tweaked to fit things and just like cranking it out but man they like really went for it and it's always it's so cool to hear the composed because obviously it's not that they miss the composed sections constantly now but uh there's a speed to this show that sound it was jaded vets shutting off their podcasting yeah well they can do that (laughs) i don't care um it's you know it's it's that all just there was a collective right click there's it's the the bpm of nowadays for the composed sections is of course a little bit slower because the band's a little bit older. Um, but there's definitely something to be said. I feel like about hearing it at the original pace that was intended or, I mean, I don't know if it's that it was intended or is it just that they're playing that fast because they're young? You know what I mean? Like that's just one of those things. Like you speed up when you play live sometimes and, uh, it's uh, all of the band just so it was really nice. Oh, the only crux that I had with this and it almost cost them, a, a point one of a fin is that uh well first off do they miss a verse when they're singing no i don't think so okay I don't it must so. have just been all in my head but um the the powerful pills is not it's uh well, yeah that's they that's were downers yelling definitely downer pills that they had that <laughs> for that one um, i was and, wondering if that was going to cost it for you because you're big it came into close. the um to the audience participation part I I it's easily my favorite part of Fluffhead is when they yell powerful pills. Oh yeah. Uh but it, it was it was it was so much fun to hear it. Uh at the clip that they were playing it at that I was like, "All right, I'll go 5 for this one and make it up somewhere down the road," which ended up being a lot harder than I expected. Yeah, as we mentioned earlier, uh, you you came in with seven point five, and I came in with twenty two point five extras that we can add. <laughs> and uh, I am spending two of them right now because uh, I gave Fluffhead a seven. I couldn't agree more with saying that this is an incredible, incredible thing to open with, no matter what the era is. I agree with a lot, uh, pretty much all of your points, and and the compose section thing is uh, is something that's just going to be brought up over and over again. So we might as well get that yeah. out of the way. Yeah. This is definitely the period that was, I think was, the, you know, between say here and I would say uh, maybe like midway through 1994 is the peak of them being pretty much a primarily, that's a lot of P's in a row, pretty much primarily. <laughs> that's nice though. Pretty primarily fish podcast. <laughs> this is definitely the peak of the uh, era of them being a composed band primarily and that being the main thing that they're doing in some ways. Um, obviously, there is a lot of improvisation and it's in the form of Trey, 
who is also going to be brought up a lot in this podcast. And boy, is he! This is the best possible thing I think to start a show, and I am always like so excited to hear this. And like I said in the intro, this is one that I'll dial up whenever I just want to hear Trey just kicking ass and taking names <laughs> and playing <laughs> grooves. But but he is it it's not even yeah, it's it's not he is not in any way like a textural guitar player at this point. We've talked no. a lot about like shows from the newer era or even from the late nineties where he's playing more of that role. And uh he is just he's just grabbing you by the throat and just throttling you around <laughs> and uh you know sometimes i'm in the mood for that because i'm that kind of guy uh but no this is fantastic i mean i love the ready fish i love the weird stilted intro and then favorites here at the theater and then going into Fluffhead. there's no way you can beat it it's unbelievable great performance and then we slam right into the landlady <laughs> jeez <laughs> Not in a bad way. <laughs> um, I gave the landlady an extra fin, so I went with six. Wow. And, here I'm going, and I'm going to explain. I'm going to explain why to you right now. Uh, you know, Daniel, I'm a. <laughs> I like to think of myself as a reasonable man, and uh, <laughs> we've been doing this exercise of going back between these two eras of shows, and there are certain things that I am totally willing to concede with the whole compose sections thing and this and that. And, uh, the landlady, uh, I just cannot stand by the abomination that that song has become recently. It's, it's just always Whoa. a real bummer for me Whoa. <laughs> when they play it. I know I'm, Whoa. I'm kind of, I'm, this is like a low key sneak attack. Oh, this is like, felt uh, like one. when I hear this, it it is just so compounded to me that, the fact that they just now do it super slow and super sloppy, and it seems like they really only do it to do the dance part in the middle, which, you know, they still <laughs> nail that. Uh, you know, granted, yeah, okay, they do the jam, and, like, it's fish jamming, so it's good. But, like, when I hear this, I'm like, this is why certain songs, I think, maybe live in eras of the band, and they either need to tighten this shit up or get it out of here now-wise. But I gave the landlady six fins because, uh, because I could. That's what. That's why I did it. That's why Jeez. I did it. Yeah, that is why you did it, because you had all that extra <laughs> stuff laying around. Wow. Just That was a spite fin. I feel That's like, yeah, right? I feel like the the jaded vets are turning back on the podcast after that. They turned you know it all I mean? back. Like, yeah. Guys, welcome welcome back, jaded welcome vets. Welcome back. There's oh coffee in the back. If, we got some donuts. Love, Come on if, back in, baby. If you love what Kev just said, please send us an email at fivefins at gmail. Or if you don't like five what Kev just said. Or if you don't, yeah. If you hate it too, that's fine. You'll hate what I'm about to say. Um, so I went with, uh, I gave it a four and a half, four and a half fins. Um, you know, same as you in a way where I, because I had to, I don't really have extra stuff just laying about like some people who give <laughs> the 2019 shows less fins than they deserve. The, uh, I'll, I'll give you this. Trey's fingers at this stage I, are they I are gave they're out moving. many fins in that show. They that are, is a damnable lie. People can listen to the tape. <laughs> I really liked the fourth quarter of that show. Sorry, go uh, ahead. The I'll, uh, one thing I could definitely give you is that Trey's fingers are moving incredibly fast. And it if there's ever a time ridiculous. to be uh, gay for Trey, it was this this show had me had me uh, reeling. So here's my question though about it. Uh, does it cut? Is it? Is there a cut at the end, or do they really s- just hit the next song that smooth? They hit the next song that smooth, my Jesus friend. Christ. And it's 
and and I have to say, it's funny for me with this show because I don't ever want to be like, you know, I, I don't ever want to like this early in a podcast just be like, you know, this is the best part. But like these first three songs are like kind of my favorite part of this show for sure because they're so well executed and they're so like beautifully transitioned into, like you say, the landlady ends and it just slams right into you enjoying myself. re-listening to it i kept thinking yeah. that it was no, i a know mistake. i've been there jeez oh my gosh all right we're They're still even... in the era of trey yeah. totally writing out these set lists too so it's like Correct. you know right yeah th- it's it's there is a little bit of a uh, trey kind of <laughs> like fascist element <laughs> to some of the set list writing <laughs> but yeah you definitely feel that trey is is that is uh is uh his hands are on the steering wheel. He, he and, and, and there's a and there's a brick on the accelerator at the beginning Jeez. here. A brick and um, his foot. He's using a brick with his foot on top of it. <laughs> with that said, I would like to remind audiences you gave the last track four point five. Four point five is a very good score. I gave I was gonna give it a, a standard four. I was gonna give it an auto four. And then I was like, Alright, well, if I do that I'll just be eating my words and I don't wanna do that. So <laughs> Well, it almost felt like um, extra fins in a way, which you gave. I gave, I have, yeah, exclusively given out extra fins for you. Enjoy myself. The third track, I went with a 4.8 and I docked it 0.2 for one very small rhythmic snafu. And I realized that that's uh, a little bit of a petty opinion. But when we're talking about the most tightly wound the band ever got, this is it. And there's one moment where Fishman's like a tiny bit late. Right. (laughs) Yeah, um, and it I heard throws it. me off a little bit, but uh, so I docked point two. I wouldn't go with a full four point eight because I'm sure there's like a thousand versions in uh, nineteen ninety one. That's the other thing. I'm not giving the versions this time because I started to count those, and I think I need a better system <laughs> than the way I've been doing it. So I, uh, I uh, stay tuned. Maybe I might actually like just do them afterwards and just edit them in so it'll be like real fake sounding, like. All right, our next track is They Played It Six Times. Oh, yeah. uh, Please or maybe do that. I do it. Please. Should I do it in the accent of the... Um, the British the, guy? The intro guy? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The favorites here at the theater the played favorites. this. This is, the sixth, this is the sixth version out of 14 that they performed in 1991. <laughs> That's, good. That's good. I don't know. I'm doing like... I'm going a little <laughs> something at the end there. Um, yeah, Yem is great. Yem is Yem. I have to say though, Trey's solo in this is fucking incredible. I probably should give it a five just for that. Every that's th- this is gonna be like I'm gonna mention Trey's solo is incredible on every single track that uh, that is performed in this uh, in this show. So it almost becomes like redundant to say it. At it it will become redundant to say it. But this is the first time I think it deserves mentioning that we have full on machine gun Trey as he's known in this period. But it adapt. But it adapt. But it adapt.
Well, it's, he's total. Yeah, he's totally playing his guitar like a drum in this in these solos, which is amazing. I'm glad that you are mentioning Trey so much because I actually I felt like this the thing about that I love about Yem is I feel like it is the best showcase of all of the band members like really yeah, good yeah. talent it makes sense that this is the song that they have played more than any other song i th- i think that still holds true right to this day yeah it 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 holds true to this day i don't know um even though they don't play ever it as be, often yeah but they also don't play as many shows so proportionally i think it'll probably stay on top so long as they keep playing it like a few times a well, year i love know? it i gave this six fins um mm-hmm. yes okay. So I was loving it. Uh, the the drumming on this one, I believe the drummer's name is uh, Jose Florsheim. Um, he, <laughs> dude, yeah. he is he is so freaking good at playing drums. It is it is unspeakable how talented this man is, and even to this day. But my God, yeah. Uh, and I had always thought of Jose primarily as a vacuum player. So it's interesting right. when he's so talented at a different thing. It's like finding out your friend like plays an instrument. You're like, whoa, yeah. I didn't know that about you, you know? Right. So that, yeah. And, you know, the thing about this show is I feel like it's less, uh, since Trey is really in the driver's seat, there's a lot less Sammys. But I felt like there were some at the end here. Uh, and uh, I called them finger food a little bit at the end there. Uh, a <laughs> little bit of finger Those food. Those little tiny you know, ones. Yeah. Exactly. Like the little squares with the toothpick in them. That's, that's kind of how it felt there. I uh, got a good golly <laughs> Gordon. Mike Gordon, very good at, at bass as well. well the, the vocal jam. Now, if we can talk about that. I, as you know, am a lover of vocal jams. This one made me nervous. I was getting really very distraught by the end of it. I was like, oh my God. They're still going. It's been that this one goes right. It goes for like a good two minutes or more. They just keep going. And I, what are they saying? Are they saying stuck it in a pan? Like I stuck it in a pan. Stuck it in a pan. Stuck it in a pan. I have no fucking idea. I, it was. It was stuck making it in me a something. Something. But that's hilarious. Nervous. Oh, we're we're gonna zag totally. I was totally into the vocal jam. I was like, holy shit! I gotta tell Dan. Ugh, I love the vocal hilarious. jam. I still loved it's it. Weird. <clears throat> It's weird, and it's also I'm gonna bring this up. This yeah, that part is like the that this is one time in the show, and then it comes up later. I would say is the or maybe even twice it comes up is the sort of like when fish tries to get scary, but it's sort of like that, um, <laughs> like sitting around a campfire with somebody puts a flashlight <laughs> under there, where it's like yeah. they're they're just they're just too fucking goofy to actually pull off like scary scary, but they're trying like hell. You know, the, and uh, and also I like when the vocal jams, I think maybe my main thing is like, I like the vocal jams if they come back into regular jamming. It's just like when they just end with that, like, whoa, part at, that I'm just like, that's I'm not my, listening That's to my favorite part of it. We're zagging all over the place. <laughs> um, we another don't thing agree on vocal jams. Say... That is that is established on this podcast. There's not... another another thing, too, is yeah. um, I it's, you know. It seems like instead of communicating telepathically like the band seems to do nowadays, kind of like they're screaming at the room across across the room at each other. They're screaming across the room at each other. You know, nothing wrong with that. But uh, that's kind of how it felt versus like now where, you know, Paige knows where he's going. He doesn't really have to, I guess the way that they would describe it would be like step on each other's toes um, to like force them out of a of a riff or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um. Still great, but that that's that's kind of how that it felt to me. But yeah, I yeah. mean, what I hear mostly is the they really are playing, um, the dr- like the listening drills that they would do in practice, like the include your own hey, 
and all of that stuff. If you know all about that, which I, I'm pretty sure you know about, but all of those yes. those listening exercises they used to do to react to each other and not mimic each other, but at you know become additive. And I know that towards the mid to late '90s, even like to the press and stuff, their stated goal was like we're we're trying to not sound like just a band that like <laughs> sits around and plays drills to like learn how to improvise. And in this period, they definitely sound like that. Like when you when you can tell when they're trying to break out of their composed parts or the song parts and go into this more improvisatory era, it's not nearly as fluid and focused as it as it's become uh over, you know, granted my entire lifetime worth of time. So, right. it's been a, it's been a while, but you're thinking about like, you know, th- yeah, this band uh Ha- this period of the band is is really interesting to me and and like i said the ween adjacent thing like they're kind of closer to that than i think y- when i think about fish in the 90s i guess i do tend to focus on sort of beginning in 1993 on and it's interesting to hear like these earlier shows where like you're saying they were almost forcing themselves to improvise and get out of that as opposed to just being like trapped as like this kind of goofy kind of i don't want to say novelty because that's like a really loaded word but right they're not so far away from that at this point even though the musicianship and just i think particularly trey's talents are the thing that are shining through for me in this period of the band i I agree with you you get a lot of good um stuff with mike as well but and obviously fishman is fishman but and (laughs) The band Paige's is not called Trey. Sound. The band's not called Trey, and the uh, Fishman uh, Page's keyboard sounds are funny because it's like <laughs> it's such a hallmark of the era. This like early <laughs> keyboard sound he has, and yeah. I kind of love it. I kind of love it in some ways, but it's also like the prior to him getting the grand piano, this is his sound, you know. Right. So. It's good stuff, though. Uh, the next one we hit is going to be an interesting conversation potentially because I did automatic four cavern. I got to admit, me too. Um, okay, alrighty. So with, you know, of course, with cavern, here's the thing, right? Everyone when they're young, all right, they write things that maybe don't sit well moving forward in time. It's just um, yeah, it's just an unfortunate. Some fact. lyrics, it's true. Some lyrics, they don't age well, and in this case, right. The, yeah. the passive aggression of 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 whatever the other person in the song is doing with their shoes and the soup. I don't know if they're playing with their food, uh, but like <laughs> it's it's very passive aggressive. Yeah, uh, and the band should have just been really out. Fr- I don't know who the person was. They should have just been more out front about it instead of, you know, if you tread in primal soup, please wipe it from your shoes like that. That's that seems very passive aggressive to me. Like if they have stinky feet, or if they have like something all over their shoes and they're walking all over your house, you don't have to say yeah. please. You can just tell them like, "Hey man, take your friggin' shoes off. This is ridiculous. This is unnecessary. You're tracking mud and whatever all over my house. <laughs> and if it, if Primal Soup is like the name of the soup that they're making, why are they putting their feet in the soup? I just at that that stuck out to me. Yeah, you just don't want to be. Uh, I think you also want to teach children the lesson to avoid primordial stepping in primordial soup, you know? So yeah. not just wiping it away, like getting rid of the evidence. You really want to like be like, no, you, you've ruined these shoes now. And that's like a life lesson. They're you know? done so, forever. They're not, you yeah. can't get those shoes back. So 
Yeah, Did they do I a Mantecatese in this song? I, I, it's not listed on .NET, but okay, I'm glad you brought it up because I was like, it sounds like it for a second, but then that was one of two things. The other thing is brought up on .NET, which we'll get to. I, I thought so. I, it sounds a little bit like I thought so as well. And here's another one. Isn't it funny how um, some songs, even though like a lot of them are like really fast in this show, Cavern is a pretty normal speed. Like I, as far as like now would go, you know what I mean? I feel like Cavern does this thing where it started out slower and then the 90s is just like ramped up. It's like a parabola. It went from like yeah. slow to like absurdly fast and then they like came back <laughs> down over time. That's another thing, too, is that in 1991, like, well, first of all, really in 90, and I think beginning a little bit in 89, they sped up everything a lot. Like, if you hear the early or uh, the late 80s versions of Fish, like, they're doing things like a lot slower, the same songs, and then they just really sped them up a lot. So it isn't like they even just started really fast, you know? Well, the next one is, is stupid fast. Our next track is Divided Sky. Jesus, heavy breathing ensues. Yeah, I mean, this is, it's one of the things with this show where there's there's so many of these songs like, well, we have to hit this because we're listening to the peak version of Fish in this time. And I think maybe in some ways we don't think about as much now. Divided Sky was like a pretty uh, huge song for the band. Like, obviously, it's still in this time, I should say. Like, obviously, people still love it now. It's a beloved fan favorite, but it's kind of been since there are now so many of those it's now moved into a different position where it's like great to hear in a first set and you're always excited but i think at this time this really was like one of the most important songs in their catalog in terms of playing it live i think um and i i it's a five out of five i mean what else can you say this is where you want it this is how you want it to be played i guess you can say you're gonna give it more no i'm not and uh, and it's only because I don't have the fins laying around to do so for the uh, most part. I gave it 4.8 fins. Now, here's my my reasoning. As you know, okay. Divided Sky is actually one of the only songs that I prefer, in a way, the older versions of Divided Sky. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know why, but I feel like texturally there's something about the, the sonic quality of the older versions that just like it's probably because my first exposure to fish was that uh live fish 13 album and the divided sky from that is just unbelievably beautiful yeah um this one was amazing but the pause was not much of a pause and as you mentioned earlier i really love the interplay between the crowd and the band and uh that the way that the crowd kind of gets the band or sorry, the way that the band kind of gets the crowd to hit their own peak when they are all paused um, in that like middle part, because that's not there. I went with only 4.8 and, you know, it's nitpicky. Sure. But this pod is not about me being reasonable. That's that's not what we started this for. So, OK, so the nitpicking aspect of that, I don't mind as much as I'm not trying to uh, question your critical acumen here, but uh, (laughs) you you are kind of like docking certain Mm -hmm. things for just not like literally in time being (laughs) like, uh, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Like 
like you would give the like if if fish played this version of divided sky in 2018 we sure. would both be giving it like seven million fins well <laughs> well you don't I think mean, with this amount of energy I, uh, like i don't i can't imagine you would come back to it and be like well the pause wasn't long enough is like a really weird criticism. it's very it's very specific it's specific. I'm fine with the specificity, but do you understand what I mean? So, yes. like, is it for you? Is it? I'm just curious. So, for you, do you find going back to this era, listening to it, less satisfying because of stuff like that, or is it more sort of like, you know, I think my issue with Divided Sky will, even now, actually, will always be that 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 '94 show just sticks out so much in my head that like I subliminally can't help but compare every other version to that version, which is extremely unfair on my part. No, that I ha- I think I have that with, I definitely have that with versions of things too, though. I know what you mean. So that's, I'm that's my think thing. Like the next one though, I did not, I didn't, my like, goodness. Uh, one with me would be vultures from great. Oh baby. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's anytime fair. I hear any other vultures, I'm like, that was good, but why couldn't it have been that? And the funny thing is they only, <laughs> they don't even do all the verses of that. Like they just start jamming immediately. And it's like hearing, you know, what's funny actually is that hearing, um, as I'm sure we'll keep hitting it, hearing the composed section of divided sky that fast and that yeah. perfect. Um, it is such a mind boggling thing where you're just like, Oh my God, like Trey, is a composer just that's it he composes music it is amazing and wow i really needed if i'm being completely honest too i really needed some fins for for other stuff as we (laughs) no it's all good i i um i i kind of went i was kind of well, well as we go forward the conversation we had about the um being disappointed by things in its time that's going to continue on my end as well uh so i was just curious about that because yeah, there's definitely the audience. There's no question that the audience band interplay is very different and more sophisticated beginning around yeah. like the mid-90s. Actually, you know, I think the thing with the audience that I always think of, too, is um, us at Magnaball because that was one of the most um, moving right. things I've ever witnessed in my entire life was when they were doing the standstill part. And that volume just shakes your chest. You know what I mean? It's amazing. The During What's the Use? During uh, Divided Sky, when they all oh, pause, yeah. the band just all stands still and the audience just loses their mind and you can feel that vibe. You can feel the vibration of life or the vibration <laughs> of death, depending on how you feel about the, it. The one that stood out to me at Magnaball was What's the Use, where like the, a hush fell over and like this whole crowd was just standing like waiting for the next notes yeah. in that part before he says that and it was like however many people were there like 40,000 people were all like when's he gonna do it when's he gonna do it yeah <laughs> you're like how many other bands have a crowd that's like that isn't like 100 yahoos being like yeah. you know um anywho uh the next track we hit is i think a five fins debut question mark question mark question mark do you Ooh, know i think by any chance it's I either once or twice. So. It's either zero or one time. We might have hit it once, but our next track is Esther. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. I have a new favorite fish song after hearing this. I'm glad to hear that. That's amazing. Grace, yeah. Uh, okay, take the floor. Esther, All yeah, what'd you give it? 
James Holtzauer, all the fins, Alex. Just pushing the hands forward. I gave Whoa. Esther seven and a half fins. Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, Should man. Be like a, we need an alarm. I'm right. Gonna, I'm gonna put it like uh what would it be like a game show like uh <laughs> <laughs> it, oh uh ah, well I bet it's I wish the music wasn't copywritten. I bet I wanna do the hula hula uh when when you win the million dollars on who wants to be a millionaire. Yes. Yeah, we could do oh my but gosh. uh <laughs> you went seven and a half. Okay. Dude, this uh, like I said, there. it might it might be my new favorite fish song. Here's some questions that I took away from the song Esther. First off, I I got so into this song that I actually found the old um, video that they made, that someone made, um, like the animation. I watched yeah. that. I listened yeah, to trippy. more than a couple versions. Uh, I've heard Esther before, and you've mentioned how much you love Esther before. But for some yeah. reason, it just never hit my skull the right way. And this time, it really did. It is possibly the most terrifying thing I've ever listened to. The entire song is is scary. Um, in all the best ways, from the carnival music in the beginning to just the story itself. Here's a question. Who is the scariest member of this entire thing, right? Is it the guy that she meets? Is it her? Is it the doll itself? Is it the townsfolk? Or is it Gordo's bass bombs that keep happening <laughs> towards the end of the song? Because those made my knee shake. You can see the, the, the smile on Trey's face when he's singing the song, when you listen to it. You know what I mean? I could picture that that man's evil, evil smirk while he's just singing yeah. this song to me. And I was so in love with it. And she began to tumble earthward till she landed in the nasty part of town. She glanced about the village, sure to find the evil man who robbed that village in the darkest hour of night. She fumbled for the pouch that held the puppet on her rope. Feeling quite outnumbered, Esther hid behind a nearby file of lumber where she waited till the dawn. Cause it would have been a blunder to succumb to a hoodlum on the prowl. I still can't get over it, and I will be seeking out as many things, as many versions of this as I can going forward. I love it. I love it. So if anyone out there knows any ex- like really especially excellent versions, send us an email at fivefinsmailbag at gmail.com. Yes, absolutely. There is a great one I can recommend to you off the dome, though you'd have to look it up specifically. I want to say it's Europe in 90. It's either 97 or 98 where Trey – at one point, just the lyrics get totally derailed. <laughs> like he's to- he just completely fa- and he starts singing the same verse again, or whatever. And they, but the band keeps going, and he just goes, uh, and then uh, uh, she drowned, and then he just starts playing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll uh, I'll text you a date of that. Our uh, our listeners could look that up. <laughs> We're we don't do all the research here, just a so, little bit. Um, so, that warms um, the cockles of my yeah, heart, Dan, that, if, you, that if, you're into Esther. And if that helps with, um, helps explain also why I needed to give Divided Sky a 4.8, because like I really did need all the fins that I could get to put 
a high enough number on this Esther to make it clear that I was dead serious. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can tell. That's a serious <laughs> ranking. See, this is why I liked the... Uh, isn't that amazing? And when you say the scariest person in it, I do... An angry mob of joggers does seem very frightening to me it for does. some reason. It does. You know? Because they're not um, running, right? This is the other version. This is the other version I was going to say of the, uh, like, flashlight under the face scary thing where it's like, it's funny, <laughs> but there's like some whimsy to it as well. <laughs> That's what makes it uh, so scary to me, though. The whimsy, you know? The people in the yeah. church and they all, they look mean. It's like, oh my God, what does that even yeah. mean? And you just, ha- she just happens to land right in the nasty part of town, which is just shit luck, you know? But then we find yeah. out, I guess it's not because the doll is really, in- I mean, the doll is, is definitely not uh, innocent on all charges here. Oh. I was thinking about, so this song is also written by Trey exclusively. This is not a Tom Marshall wow. thing. I think it's before their wow. involvement together. And one, uh, one thing I always want to highlight is that line, Quibble grew to spat, to wrangle, then to brawl. Quibble grew to spat, to wrangle, then to brawl. The frenzy congregation. Love that line so much. It really <laughs> describes the escalation of an incident. Quibble grew to spat, to wrangle, then to brawl. So, yeah, Trey, if left to his own devices, definitely also a really good wordsmith, though. Like we're saying with the kind of weird, creepy vibe of this song, and like, it's one of those songs where I love it to death and I'm glad that you do as well, but it's almost because there aren't a lot of songs like it. Like yes. if he wrote like 10 yeah. more like this, I wouldn't like any of them, but for some reason, <laughs> just knowing this is in their catalog, I love it. And I do love the composed section and that bit where Trey does the better gets me every single time. And I've heard the song so many times. And again, of course it's a flawless, uh, execution of it well gosh i can't believe i'm giving it a 4.8 and i'm like getting schooled here uh hey that's I, this literally what this show is for though was for yeah. things like this to happen and it's happening <laughs> i can't even argue like i guess it is a five i think i just thought that um at this point in the show i guess i am a little bit like I almost wish these two were swapped this one and the next one just sure. i want a little i could use a little bit more just like like there's so much of the great heavy composed stuff and I can't even believe I'm complaining about that. <laughs> but at this point, you know, we're all mad here in 1991. Our next track is Llama. <laughs> and when you talk about fast llama, we're talking about a llama that's fast as hell. Um, yeah. You're going to be mad at this probably, I guess, now based on the tone of the conversation, but I auto afford it in the wow. sense that they always kind of played Llama like this exactly at this space, exactly at this time, in shows at this time, or around this time, I feel. Um, that isn't to say I don't love it. Um, this is why I want to talk about the Automatic 4 concept. It's more that, like, I don't... When I'm giving certain things rankings, I have more of a confidence of where how I feel about them. And with Llama, it's like, I don't really know how to judge version. Like, they're always great. So I don't know if they're... Is that like, yeah, it's uh, it's the idea of average great, right? That fish fans talk about that there's, like, right. you know, there's, um, there's kind of a, like, I can't, um, I don't know what anything would mean beyond giving it this rank. Like now, obviously there's more variance in it. And it's not to say auto four is not like if you give it out to one version of it, obviously if they played it a 30 minute version of Lava, I would give it a different ranking. <laughs> <laughs> I had considered giving it an auto four. But I ended up going with four and a half 
Now, here's here's my thing okay. with with, with uh, Llama. As you know, and even to this day, after hearing this one, I'm still a slow Llama guy. I know the jaded vets. Please don't turn off. Please don't turn off the craziest the podcast. This is because, the craziest because, take that you have. Because like really. I, 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 I it's, it's one of my only really ridiculous ones. I, I promise. It's, I it's, promise. It's, 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 well, I wouldn't go that far, but it, right, it is fair. crazy. It's um, the number one. It's number one in the rank, power rankings of Dan's craziest take. <laughs> I saw, you know, I, I it's see. It's number one this, in the coaches' right? poll. I saw the llama coming. I grabbed my lasso and my saddlebags and was going to try to slow it down, and that uh, got the la- It was gone. I couldn't catch it. Threw the lasso. Lasso lands on the ground. Llama takes off. To boot, to boot, whatever the frig that means. Um, <laughs> I love Leo, and I think also it's just like with this one. Trey could play so fast. Not that he can't play fast now, because I still think that he can play pretty fast now. But it's he was they're just whoo, they're just whipping by. Tone of the guitars just driving me nuts. I was loving it, um, and I went with four and a half. If I had known that we could auto four a llama, though, I I may have done that in order to get more more stuff back, more some, yeah, some see, more fins. Yeah, this is this is why I wanted to bring this up because I think auto four doesn't have to mean it. It's almost like a cheat code. Like it's not. It's kind of getting out of just like you're saying give it getting four and a half you could have gone out of four and get the full fin back or if you're uh, a wealthy person like myself in the in the fins game uh you can uh, be like i don't even need it give it to the give, throw it throw it to the peons do they not have poor houses uh, <laughs> yeah. What's the sk- are there no orphanages <laughs> yeah i'm the i'm the i am in no workhouses yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ebenezer I'm Kev. I'm Michael. I'm Michael Kane, and you're the poor Muppets <laughs> asking for. Uh, that's the only way I know classic literature is the uh, Muppet, uh, the Muppets Christmas that's Carol. The best, that's the best one. That dude, that might be our hottest kid, take. Dude, <laughs> dude, when you when you were a kid, how trippy was the doorknob thing? That thing freaked me out so much. Insane. Oh my god! I still watch that every single Christmas when we it's, make when we set up the tree because it's. It, at Baller. least you know it's going to happen now, though. When you're a kid, you're not prepared for an actual jump scare. Yeah, when there's Muppets right? hanging around, and then it's like, holy motherfucker, what is this? Um, that'll be on our next podcast. That'll <laughs> we're <laughs> launching a new podcast. Lord knows, I need one. We should we should find a fish show to line up with uh, Muppets Christmas Carol the way that you can line up uh, Dark Side <laughs> of the Moon and The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Dude, if you put on set to a lemon wheel. Do you know what I would have too is I would make it so that the Esther Esther would start when uh, the ghost of Christmas future comes and they go to the graveyard and he points at his grave and it would be like ooh ah ooh ah ooh ah. Oh my god! I don't remember if there was an angry mob of joggers in that. Movie. And then the next one you could you could put in the part when he goes to school. Little Scrooge is <laughs> off to camp. Exactly. Our next track is. The squirming coil. Yeah. Um, 
This is a pretty great song, I would say. I in this uh, era, I I'm not uh, the hugest squirming coil guy in terms of all of the. If you were ranking them among all of these type of songs, mm-hmm. but uh, I do really love this song in this era, and it's one that's uh, just always a really great performance. I think um, it's. Like I say, probably a little bit lower for me than some of the other ones of this time period. And it's kind of always been like that. I think I went through a period where I was like really talking myself into being like, oh, no, Squirming Coil actually is like really one of the best ones of that. But I think somehow for me, it's always been like a tiny bit lower than some of the other ones. Uh, But uh, with that said, and I'm talking about the other ones being like. (laughs) <laughs> not the dead song uh the <laughs> the other composed sections uh y- you know heavily composed early tray works and um yeah i went with a 4.2 though i like this era of, of it and uh i really i really dug it i wonder did you go lower than that i know you're not i did not lukewarm. i went um, 4.2 as well my friend oh wow look at that um I think that's right, right? It's I, like it's yeah. good, but it, it, I do it's, agree. It's, it's better than pretty good, but it's not. Yeah, you know. it's uh, there's something about also at the the pace that they play it at in this era. It almost makes it a little too much like Divided Sky to me. Um, yeah, not that that's a bad thing, but um, the the We're main reason so many of these in a row yeah. is part of it too. I think right. You know? Yeah, it's it's so proggy. Hearing Fish play this fast, you're just like, man, they loved prog music. Like clearly, whenever we talk about the things that influence well, a band, it, like. Rock at least, music. at least, at least one of them did. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, a tall, redheaded fella. I love was uh, really into it. <laughs> I I love yes, right? A guy from New Jersey. Maybe. I mean, Fishman's into Zappa, so that's not like a million miles. But I I think Paige and Mike are still in this time period a little less important to the band chemistry would you say in some senses i mean not not yeah. jam wise but it's like it's definitely the, like the trey and mike sh- uh, the trey and right. fish show featuring page and mike absolutely a bit. Abs- absolutely no offense yeah. to those guys of course like we said because you know they're still doing it and uh i love leo leo is the man and, and, I, and actually, actually, I actually like the tone. It's kind of charming to me, like how chintzy right. it sounds in some, in I, some senses. And to me also, the reason I gave it 4.2 instead of like a little bit more or anything else would be uh, the, the outro section isn't quite as long as the, the modern version of Squirming Coil. The, the uh, sparsity that it comes up nowadays uh, makes it a little more special, of course. And the way that it usually ends the set also to me just makes it really special because as we know the band usually will leave the stage while he finishes up that whole uh solo section yeah he there was you know a small outro of course but the the rest of the band is still there more or less um and uh i i just there's something about him sitting there bald spot glaring right into my eyes and i love it and just sorry i'm getting a little worked up um There's a hypnotic element to the end of it that now, yeah, th- that's like a logical end to a set, but at the time, right. it's it still was, just it's like just, kind of part of the song. Yeah, and it's so beautiful. And although I do have to say that the way that they transition uh, using the outro for for this show was pretty mind-boggling. Like, I, I had to listen to it a couple times before I was like, or at least twice before I was like, okay, yeah, I get that. I get I get exactly what was going on here because the first time I heard it, I was like, you know, as a 3.0 head, I was like, whoa, hey, hey, 
Yeah. Stop stepping on my boy's uh, keys here. They're still jamming a lot, like full band wise, on the outro to a lot of these, uh, a lot of the versions of this, like through the 90s, you know, where they're still like, it's not the logical end of the song to have Paige play that outro to them for for some reason. It, or at the end of the set, they're still like, they still keep going. And like you said, yeah, they keep going for sure into our next track, which is David Bowie. Close the set. So. Uh, this is interesting because this also plays into the automatic four conversation is that uh, Whoa. I'm trying to rank David Bowie against other things in this time period. And uh, this version Whoa. is good, but not great, I would say. Um, I'm going to walk I'm away pretty... from the show right now. I'm just kidding. Because, it, it, yeah, it, it's interesting because I was well, I wanted to talk about this one I do because agree. I know I, I I know that you're, I think between the two of us, I would say, at least I thought I was originally more of like a fan of Bowie than you were, but I don't know if as the podcast has gone on, that's changed. Like the intro is really fun. The um, uh, Paige and Mike, I think, are doing um, like the world's most evil version of the girl from Ipanema. <laughs> <laughs> it's like nah, nah, nah. it's like the girl from Ipanema is like a wit, the witch from Ipanema. It's like if it's, uh, it's like Leonard Cohen on that last. It's like if he covered that on his last album that he put out. <laughs> Something the girl from or just Ipanema comes walking. It's like if Tom Waits yeah. in the eighties was yeah. doing <laughs> the girl from Ipanema as a cover. We sail tonight to Singapore. <laughs> uh, this version um, had kind of just always sort of been like. Uh, it kind of had left me a little bit cold. And then I made the either, uh, depending on how you look at it, either the great idea or mistake of listening to a bunch of other David Bowies from 1991 and being like, <laughs> yeah, no, this is definitely pretty mid compared to like, <laughs> there are some incredible versions out there. If you just uh, surf around the fish.net jam charts, you can, you can get some, some, some killer versions of it. But yeah, I went with uh, three point seven fins on Whoa. David Bowie. <laughs> that is shocking. That is it is it is astounding. a little bit. I, I again, it's 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 an odd thing with the automatic four concept because I'm not saying the performance of this is actually like worse than. No, I don't like, know. I Lama. feel like that, to me, it feels like that's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> numerically, in some ways, it is. I I just think. You know, I think if we're going to keep doing this podcast and doing a bunch of like early versions of Bowie and I'm like, this is a five, I'm going to look back and be like, no, it's not. You know what I mean? Whereas something yeah. like Llama, like I feel like it's like maybe this one was 3.8 and another one was 4.2, but are we really going to like, if we're going to keep going, I don't know if I can keep like that kind of shit up, <laughs> but I can, I can definitely rank songs that have like very defined different performances. Sure. Um, and so, you know, it's not it's not a terrible score, but it's definitely like it's it's I think I could take or leave this and I really kind of wish that like Antelope was in this slot to be honest. Hmm. I would say to me, so I gave it four and a half fins. Um anyone who's listening can probably understand now how we walked away from the last show with Kev having twenty two and a half extra fins and me only having seven and a half. <laughs> um I'm uh not good at uh, not using hyperbole because that's just who I am. I, I didn't even like 
take a ton of notes down on this one. And and after listening to other Bowies from that year, I was like, yeah, those those are pretty great. But that's why I only took away like some things from it. It's super psychedelic. Uh, the way that they yeah. do stuff and uh, the early Bowies just so unique. Um, I feel like I like Bowie another it's another one where uh, like Divided Sky where I feel like I like earlier Bowies more possibly than I like the versions that they would do now Um, although now who knows I'm still waiting for them to to take it to some other level like they do occasionally with with stuff because as we know three and 4.0 fish like they they just some nights they're just like yeah what do you want to play for 45 minutes tonight and you just never expect it but um, the the there's some serious intensity in this. Not quite Sammy's, but close. I call them burgers, right? Because it's <laughs> a burger is not really a sandwich, but it sort of is a sandwich. So that's you know I went with that. Um, I I do hear the I can hear the auto four in a way, but um, yeah, it, it's it, it that it was a can it's definitely a candidate for that. I would say. Yeah. This this is a. Uh, I think for me it was just that uh, listening every time I listen to these older shows, like my mind is kind of blown. And uh, of course, yeah, I will that... always die on my my three point oh four point oh hill, but I'll die with dignity. That's what I'll say. And you did you give your ranking? Uh, four and a half. Oh, four and a half. Okay, four point oh five, right. or however you say that in Finnish. So if I'm adding my numbers correctly, you ended with seven point five. Yes, sir. Yeah, so you went with yeah. See, I knew this was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I didn't know that was going to happen, but I knew we were going to be more <laughs> conscious of this. Uh, I actually I didn't, didn't even know how many fins I had. I forgot how many fins I had and was too embarrassed to ask. So I was like, I'll just end the first set with zero. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of did the same thing. I actually didn't do my tally for the individual set, but I know what it comes out to. Um, but yeah, one of the things about Bowie that's worth noting is that this really is the period, and we're going to hit this a little bit more in the second set, where this was really the period where Bowie was Fish's primary jam vehicle, you know? I mean, ah. in some ways. And I think that, for me, this show uh, highlights much more of the compositional element of the band, and I would say not entirely my favorite version of the uh the improvisational elements of the band. And I think that um, we'll get into this a little bit more in set two because there are moments that are great, but I think Boy. overall it's uh it's kind of, it, because it's such a different era, I think usually Bowie does sort of stand out almost in this, uh, in a way that it does in this set, but facing it against other versions of Bowie in and around this time. I just think this one's like, it's a little slight, like there's great moments in it. And obviously Trey is killing it. Uh, but there are versions, uh, from this year. If you go to the jam charts that are like definitely better and more exploratory, almost in a way like now I was pretty surprised when I heard some of the 1991 jams that almost had like a, 4.0-ish feel to them. Um, <laughs> and maybe that's just sort of uh, bias based on listening to like newer stuff and then going back to shows like this. But there was there was more uh, straightforward, to be, for lack of a better term, type 2 jamming in this period than I had thought. Like 
I kind of thought everything in this period that kind of went out there jam wise sounded like this Bowie where it's like a little chaotic. <laughs> and right. like you're saying kind of them like stepping on each other's toes to get places. And when I heard other versions that did have like more smooth and granted, you know, how many times did they play David Bowie? And there's probably like four or five that are like bulleted on the jam charts. So you're talking about like the best of the best versions of this. But nevertheless, this was one that just I was like, yeah, it's good. I, uh, you know, I, I'm okay with it. I, it's better than, it's better than good, but I would say like less than great for me. So we end set one on a very contentious. I knew we were going to like zag on weird shit in this show because it's such an yeah. interesting like um, time capsule of the band. I think maybe not a beloved or even particularly listened to fish show. Like the fact that it only has one review on fish.net is like a real sign. Maybe people yeah. aren't going back to this too much. And it's so, unrated on tapers. It's unrated. And the tape is, I mean, the tape is fantastic. There's one moment where it fuzzes out. I can't remember what song that is now. Yeah. Is it during like Esther? Two in the second set. Yeah. There's one oh, is there the, one in the first set? Is it in Esther? Yeah. There's, I want to say there's one in Esther. One yeah, in the you're first right. Set, in the very beginning then... of Esther where they're first doing the thing and it does, someone must step, someone must bump into the microphone or something. Well, I think it, it is a Esther's. soundboard, right? I, I'm pretty. Oh, they're, yeah. They're, good they're, point. You, they're running soundboard. Like you can someone get must pretty step much on the soundboard or something. Yeah, somebody like, <laughs> something got unplugged or somebody <laughs> ran into something. Spilled the beer on the. Yeah. <laughs> Knock their uh, oxygen tank from co- being in the Colorado uh, <laughs> elevation. <laughs> um, oxygen so, tank. Wink, wink. Yeah. Remember when they did that? That was great. <laughs> oh, no. I shouldn't have bought that in the lot at the fish show. Whoa. Um, at any rate, we are going to come back and finish uh, the finish. See what I did there? <laughs> hey. Hey. Um, our podcast with set two from March 13th of 1991. Please stay tuned through this brief musical interlude. I guess that's not a cool thing to like say out loud. (laughs) And Dan landed in the nasty part of town. We'll be right back with more five fins.
Welcome back to Five Fins. We are back to discuss the second set that took place on March 13th of 1991. We open set two. Well, wait, we should talk about them talking about the intro. Did I interrupt you? No, go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, they, as you know, the, the guy comes out again and starts talking about all the different um, bands that will be playing. Uh, the funniest one to me was Tom Rush and the Fornicators. I don't know <laughs> who that is. I know nothing about this band. I didn't look it up because I'm I'm uninterested in finding out more. I would like to just keep that solo image in my head. But also mentioned was uh, Bella Fleck, wonderful uh, friend of the pod and uh, future collaborator. Winton Marsalis is playing there later in that month. Roseanne Cash. And then the last one was Acoustic Junction, which I don't know much about, but it sounds like a good time. Is that at the beginning of the Susie track? I think so, yeah. Huh. Cause I you can like cut I... that whole thing out if you want, though. Yeah, I feel like I missed... How did I miss Let's just that? cut that out, then. Hit me, start over from did the you, did you then. Did you listen to this on something other than um, uh, tapers? Yes. I listened to it on the YouTube as well oh and the youtube maybe that i was wondering if it was a little bit different yeah that's Susie. did they just go right into Susie on the tapers section one that would make sense because actually the first time i listened to it on tapers i thought that it the set was still I going thought, from set i one. thought you were making a joke about the band when you said tom rush and the what no uh, okay. tom rush and the fornicators the guy literally comes out and oh, says tom man, rush and the fuck. fornicators yeah we can cut that part out though that's fine that's all right my bad do you want to start from the very <laughs> beginning then just keep rolling no we're good we can we can just Word. hit it um, with Susie. So we begin set two with Susie Greenberg. Yeah, and some salty language, we can admit that. Um, um, I didn't have a ton on this other than good second set opener, early fish song. Um, I auto-forward it even. Yeah. I went even that far. Did you do the yeah, same deal? Yeah, I also auto-forward it. I, I kind of feel like Susie is a song that is almost exclusively in auto four even nowadays but sometimes there are moments that like really go hard and maybe you throw like an extra point two to point three onto it um big leo energy on this one though you know what i mean a lot of ble <laughs> yeah the 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 highlight of of the track is unquestionably the funky piano breakdown and if you ever read the uh, richard gare uh coffee table fish book book uh there's a, a lot of questions uh, about Susie Greenberg at one point, and this is like in 1997. And at that point, they're pretty much like, yeah, we realize this song is kind of juvenile, but it has a great piano breakdown. Fishman <laughs> so, yelling is, yeah, that makes sense, though. It is. It's the best. I think it's the best piano breakdown of all of them. Um, and then Fishman yelling, oh, my God. You know, usually it's just the neurologist. Uh, <laughs> But man, he just laid into it on that one. Don't want to say too much more than that about it, though, because yeah, he, you should just listen to the show. He says something that he wouldn't say if uh, if uh, Susie was in attendance like she was at MSG this past year. I don't think he would have yelled <laughs> this particular one. The second one is just like, yeah, this blood-curdling scream that was like... I was thinking a little bit like you. I was like, man, it, this could be like a sample. Like they should use that as a sample on one of his pads or something. That like, yes, yeah. This oh, I can't <sighs> even do it. But. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, Susie as an auto four is uh, is probably I think the uh, consensus move across the board here, yeah. and uh, there's no there's no reason to really even belabor the point because nope. we the next track we hit is split open and melt. Oof. A lot of melting. Um, yeah, Dan, I'll I'll give you the floor for split open. Sure, and melt. sure. What do you think? Yeah. So uh, I I did only go with a four point two. Now that's only because. There are other moments in this set that are pretty insane. And also, I would say that compared to a lot of the other Split Open and Melts that I have heard either personally or via uh, the live baits tracks and stuff like that, this one's pretty tame in a lot of ways. But boy, the dissonance in this one is mind-boggling. I didn't have any timestamps or anything. I I, I yeah. liked the way that it kind of uh, see. The, I think the thing that I like the most about Melt now is that it comes unglued, and then comes back together. Whereas when Trey is really in the driver's seat, like he is for this one, and boy is he driving. Um, boy, yeah. He's it's just, with, instead of it coming apart, facing, it's more he's like driving yeah. facing backwards with a brick on, with the brick on yeah. the accelerator. Yeah. Just, yeah. It's 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 it, this one. I feel like it, instead of it coming apart and then coming back together, it's more like Trey is going and everyone's holding on for dear life to make sure <laughs> yeah. that they can stay with him. <laughs> <laughs> he's Neil Cassidy driving driving a bus and he never hits the brake, so he's Holy just making sh- random turns. Yeah, that is the perfect analogy. He is that is absolutely <laughs> it. Just driving I down mean, the streets of San Francisco without looking, just talking to the person in the passenger seat the entire time, and you just <laughs> the person in the passenger seat the is vibe. just like, "Hey, man, you can yeah, just, uh, just there's a red the light," and then you're just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> "Just feeling, yeah, feeling the vibe, riding the bull, feeling the flow, riding the feeling the flow, riding the bull." Uh, yeah, I went with uh, you went four two. I went with three eight. I went with three point eight. Wow, the melt. Um, Understandable. I'm realizing that <laughs> I'm beginning to realize, Dan, that I'm a fish snob. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm beginning to realize I'm I am really particular with my split open and melts um, across all eras. I think I I mentioned this before. I have a real weird block with this song where. I like it really early and then I like the versions of it now and there's a lot of versions in between that I feel like are a little bit of a miss for me even versions that are considered pretty pretty uh legendary from the late 90s to me just I don't know what it is something about the jam just doesn't totally click for me um but I usually also like really some of the earlier ones and this one I was yeah, 3.8, like, it's better than okay, but if you're looking for a better version of this in this era, like, there are many available, and this one just didn't sort of tie that in together. I will say, though, it again, it, I'm going to maybe bring this up now. I thought about bringing it up at the end of the podcast, but one thing about this show is it's kind of like if you were to... Fish doesn't have a greatest hits collection, but if they did... <laughs> this show might be like weirdly a pretty good substitute for the early version of that because they're literally playing every single one of these songs that they do, like every version of this that they do in this time period. And again, that would be a, to say Fish's greatest hits would be a loaded thing. It'd be like Zeppelin's early years versus latter years where you'd have to separate it out. But um, this is definitely like, here are, here's kind of the compositional mission statement of the band. I feel like, and then it kind of goes 
it, it changes from there and their motives change from there and it becomes more egalitarian and funky and exploratory and all these things happen. But this is sort of the early draft of the band and split open and melt is definitely a huge part of that. So I'm glad it's here. I like the placement, um, but jam wise, it's just like, it's kind of just okay. And yeah, and that doesn't quite tickle the welt, if you will, that has been raised from (laughs) falling. Um, Our next track, we both gave an automatic floor to. Yep. (laughs) Which almost hurts. You know what I mean? Like I say that, I say (sighs) that not, we never know each other's rankings, but just the way you said that before, I was like, oh, right. We haven't hit bouncing yet. Um, Yeah. Look, this is part of the reason I discussed the concept as well as it's like, I love bouncing around the room. Yes. It really is one of my favorite fish songs. It's literally it's the only early... note that I took just says hell yeah. Yeah, it's a it's an early childhood memory for me that's very that's very important. I always enjoy hearing it, but from a podcast topic standpoint, not a rich text, you know? It's always yeah. just yeah, yeah. very good. And if we're going to do especially more shows in this era, which we're going to mathematically if we keep going because <laughs> they played like MFers in this time period, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to hit a lot more bouncing, and so the auto four thing is going to come into play. So you gain an extra fin. I'm going to turn it aside, <laughs> give it to the uh, – just throw it out to the throw, throw it out it. to the kids in the street. I'm going to I'm gonna pick it up and <laughs> casually slide it into my pocket. No, you're not because I'm keeping track. Just so, pretending. Uh, just pretending you're like already, I didn't see anything. You're already getting one. It's you've like had when enough, uh, you've had like enough those... handouts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those jo- yes, exactly. Oh God, <laughs> we're going the wrong direction. It's um, like a, our, I'm like the guy like you. You've got an extra fin, and I just walk up to your windshield and I clean it without asking. And I'm just like <laughs> through the window. I'm like fins, please. <laughs> no, my my driver rolls down the window and he's like, "Sir, do you have anything on you?" And I'm like. Give him a hundred fins. He came in second me, place. Take me. <laughs> Vitamin, take me through the park. <laughs> Give him the extra fin. Vitamin, you know he loves extra fins. <laughs> well, one Wonderful. thing I do know you love is what's about to happen. Are you do ready, it. folks? Do We've it. been waiting for a few podcasts now. It's been right? a minute. Yep. For mm. another <gasps> installation. Of who? Dan's bluegrass alert. Get on your saddle and ride. Get on your pony and ride. Um, <laughs> there's gonna be more pig pen content in that segment coming forward. For I uh, hope. I sure hope so. <laughs> Get on up. Early, Get on up. Early. Early in the morning, dance bluegrass <laughs> later in the evening. We got my sweet one. This is not an auto four. This is a this is a five. Really? It's a uh, it. Come on. What what is wow. it? Is this Cats bluegrass corner now? I did. What do they have to do to make this even better? It's like I I just I think I appreciate like. Hey, look! They're not playing a really densely composed song, for, and I just get to dance and hang. I'm um, come on! This is great placement. My sweet one's awesome. I'll buy you a U. I'll buy you five fins. Let's go, five. I love Boom. it. That makes me so happy. I did auto for it. Um, That's why I, I just, do this. Man. I I I did it. I'm in it for the kids. You know, I needed. I'm in the, it for the poor people. I needed the fins. That's where the <laughs> that's where my fin went. I guess the one that I was gonna try to steal from you is it went to the next song. Um, you auto for it. 
yeah, I, I I went with an auto four. Uh, I, I love mean, the it, bluegrass but... is ultimately auto four territory, and sometimes I think I I'll pull that card. But I was I was ready for my sweet one right here. I was ready to go. Yeah, I definitely I think I I I pumped up a couple that could have been auto fours as we went on. So it's all good, including the next one, which I think is potentially an auto four. Yeah, so I wrote that down. So our next track is Gula Papyrus. Um, I wrote down, I also went five because I'm not auto four ready yet with this song. I'm always really excited to hear wow, it. And I love so it in this, so and I love it in this time period because this was, a, you know, it was a new song. It was fresh. I like the way that they're playing it. I'm into Gula Papyrus. Um, and it's not, again, it's like, it's kind of a, a, a judgment call, I think, based on, I think that there's definitely versions around this time if we do more 91 shows where you'd go, eh, I'll give this an auto four because it's sandwiched between things that are better. But I don't know. I kind of dug this section of the show uh, a little bit. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. yeah. Nice. I also went with a five, mostly because, as you know, Gila is one of my favorites. I always love to hear it. When I looked at the set list for this show, I was like, that's my moment. Like, that's where I want to get to. Um yeah. Good old Darkfish, you know? Just nice. They nailed it. Five fins. I, yeah, I wrote so, I wrote five because I want to and I can't. I think it's also probably worth mentioning that this era of the band had them changing around things um in terms of compositionally. So like Gula Papyrus began as the Ass Festival. A S S E Festival. <laughs> and they took that composed fugue section that's in the middle and then they built Gula Papyrus around that section. And then you can say the opposite thing for the landlady where they took obviously part of punch you in the eye and then made it its own song. Right. So there was this compositional thing of like taking compositions from other things and then also um, taking them out, <laughs> I guess, or at adding something to a composition and taking out a composition. So yeah, just um uh, a good representation of the band at this time that they were the, able to like take out are. certain compositions and then put in other things, you know. Yeah, they're they're pretty good at at making the music thing. They're they're not bad, not bad. <laughs> Trey Anastasio, if you're listening to this podcast, which we assume you are based on your uh, shows you that we've Come seen on. this last summer, um, we know he's out there. Thank you, thank you for I everything really that you do. There. But he might be. You never know. Might be um, uh, friend of the show. <laughs> I can't imagine how that's the only thing about doing this sometimes is that like if if somebody were to like if one of the band members were to listen to it would they be like weirdly offended or wounded by some weird thing we say that we don't even really remember saying like I just just the velvet sea take yeah ta- he, that would be tough but we're not wrong so it's fine we don't have, we and we don't have to deal with that uh, so our next track is <laughs> runaway jim I'll give you the floor for this, Dan. You, what do you, what, right. any runaway gym takes? Um, my first take is just doing the Jimmy Jim 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 from uh, Muppet Treasure <laughs> Island. Since we were talking about Muppets earlier, uh, <laughs> naturally, I went with four and a half, which I admit is possibly a little bit higher than it needs to be, especially with Jim in this era. But I feel like Trey was really going for it. Leo was adding some condiments and Fishman was like shaking the mustard down in the container. You know what I mean? Like he's getting it ready to spread on there. We got I a full think, band, Sammy. Exactly. And and I think uh, the, 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 there's a really nice peaking around the five minute mark. Um, I think 
the piece of Jim that I love the most is when in, the, in, in this era specifically, because I listened to a couple versions from this era, when Trey first comes in with that D chord, like it, it's it's different than now somehow. They just kind of ride that doom, 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 doom. And when he comes in on that D chord the first time, it's it's like so magical to me. So I was like, I, I'd like to give a couple extra 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 half fin as a nod to that feeling that I was experiencing as I listened yeah. to these as a collective even. But this one was really nice. Um, so I went with four and a half. I went with 4.3, so I, but I think we're on the same wavelength here. Um, Jim is always one that like is interesting to me because it's sort of like, you know, there, there's a handful of like very exceptional versions and there's a bunch of just sort of normal versions right? that are. And so it's not it, like it, 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 there are many versions that I think automatic four is acceptable for, especially considering like now, but I agree with you that the intensity that they played stuff at at this time makes songs like this better. And it does, I think highlight that there are certain songs that they play now that if they don't commit to like jamming really deeply type two version esque thing, which they have done with Jim, you know, to, to, to give it credit yeah. <laughs> um, that, if they're not going to do that, there are certain songs that I think lose a little bit of their luster now uh, in first sets. And I think Jim and I, I, I even almost want to say you might agree with me on this, that there are certain times we've been going through shows where it's like and they play Jim and it was pretty good. But both of us were kind of feel like there isn't any reason that the, it stands out. And then so, right, you know, like it, you want more out of it. And this one is good. And it's obviously the just the Trey stuff. You know, to say it a hundred times, it's just so fiery throughout this entire show. So something like this where he just gets to kind of shred toward the end of it always comes off well. Uh, and but, they bounced yeah. uh, back then, apparently. I found this out watching the Amy's Farm thing. I didn't know this. Did you Did you know that they do a dance during gym? No, I don't think I did. They're doing like uh, during the, when the jam first starts before uh, Trey hits that D chord, and they're, everyone's just doing the boom, doom, 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 doom. Yeah, um, him and Mike are doing like this bouncing thing, kind of not jumping quite, but like bobbing along at the exact same momentum, like with their knees oh, and okay. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, that's fun. Didn't the crowd used to kind of do that during bouncing too? That there was like more of a I could see that crowd element then, and then I think now it's a little different, but. Um, I still sometimes bounce when I hear fish music, though. <laughs> you have to. It's hard not to. It's hard not to. Um. Well, 
Yeah, the only way it would be hard not to is our next track now. Uh, <laughs> headbanging. That's instead of instead of bouncing, right? It's just headbanging. Headbanging. Our next track is the sloth. Um, yeah, I mean, is this our first on. sloth? I wanted to say that we had heard one before. I really need to start keeping track of that. Um, it <laughs> I might think it's be funnier that we don't know. <laughs> it's funnier that we don't know. Um, but yeah, definitely not one we've hit a lot. If we have at all, probably not, we, this is probably the first one. Oh man, so good. The main thing to me is that this completes the whole uh, like spectrum of every kind of crazy composed thing Trey's written up to this time. Now, I mean, I guess there are some other Gamehenge things that are left on the table. Sloth is a, is a Gamehenge tune. Um, as a fun fact, Tom Marshall has said that this uh, the Sloth character was actually something that he had sent Trey in a different, I want to say, song cycle or series of books called Farley Warp. So he was like a borrowed character oh, from an earlier universe. Yeah. Wow! And uh, but then Trey took the sloth song into the into the Gamehenge world. It's so um, fucking cool. It's uh yeah, and it's funny too because in Gamehenge he's like the uh, you know uh, he's bounty real hunter. Cassie. Yeah, he's real outcasty. He plays like a bounty hunter character, and you think like Trey's just being like, yeah, I could probably fit in like that kind of character in my thing. That works. Oh, here's a fun. Here's a fun one. What if the sloth is the guy in Steam who is bringing the girl back, or he's the guy who's keeping the girl in the tower? Eh? Wow. Yeah. I mean, Ooh. potentially. We, we, hey. there's, there's there's only one person who knows and if he wants to come on the podcast he can email us at fivefinsmailbag <laughs> at gmail.com I gave this a five I'm a fan of this kind of thing nice. in my life and uh, that's uh, I you know uh, it's in five it's in five eighths time for musicians out there so that's uh, if you listen to the song Take Five by the Dave Brubeck Quartet it's the same time signature as that except the compose section I think changes a tiny bit at one moment but four yeah. right um yeah. i i have no complaints <laughs> well i mean good good for you i um i for some reason was thinking this was an auto four in a way um even though as you know i do love i do love the sloth i went with 4.2 though and i only did that to show that i didn't want to just give it a four you know what i mean <laughs> And I, I st- of course, I still need fins. I, I need some fins, especially with what we're about to get into. I, I could have thrown even more fins out there, but I'm, I'm saving them for a specific rainy day. Nipple imagery. I love violent nipple imagery. Although nipples yeah, and paper cuts yeah, kind of seem like the scariest. Like you know, we talked about how scary Esther was. Uh, cutting someone's nipple with a piece of paper, that's fucking terrifying. I, yeah, have we ever talked about this before on the pod that, that this is, must be a very specific uh, fever dream for Trey because it appears in three fish songs known as the triple nipple? So there's I, the sloth. Yeah. <clears throat> um, there is uh, Punch You in the Eye where he says, um, he held a piece of, ten- piece of paper. paper. Yeah. And he held a piece of paper to my tender nip and tossed the yep. chair in the tiny shack. And then there's, yeah, the fee, the fee, fee is, yeah. Um, <sighs> is the is the the biggest one so she took that paper yeah, and sliced pretty them on weird. the nipple i think it's I, only happened like once or twice they played the the triple nipple in uh, in in concert all three nipple slicing references nice. but yeah it's clearly something Better that than a triple uh, berry. keeps 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck it. I'll leave it that one in. I'll leave it in. <laughs> the Auto 4 thing, I, I can understand. It's not like it's... It's not exploratory. I just feel that um, it deserves its its day in the sun anytime Fair. it gets it because it's Fair. not something that's like just out there all the time. It's not like okay, we're hitting our eighteenth version of Rogue from set in twenty seventeen, and I just don't know <laughs> if I have the energy. Uh, what you I do. do have the energy for is our next track. Oh man! Which is anyone got a Reba? bucket of ice water and throw it on them <laughs> to slow these boys down? Oh my goodness! I mean, you you mentioned before we went on the pod about like I didn't do a lot of timestamps. I didn't do any because I didn't have time. When this is when this is on, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm Kev is Kev's brain is not available. This is like <laughs> uh, this is like getting your brain massaged by four beautiful men from 1991. <laughs> that is exactly what it is like. Uh, just. Unbelievable. I mean, how how do you go wrong here? I don't even have a ton to add. There's definitely other exceptional versions of, of Reba. The New Year's version of 1991 is really good. But yeah, this is just, I, I think the peak of kind of this era uh, to me and, and speaking to the show specifically of this is kind of the only improvisational moment of the show that I'm actually really crazy about is the Reba. And I think it's because it fits this version of the band so well that's still so tightly wound and composed that to do this crazy composed section and then come out the other side with Ooh. just the two chords, it is like Trey just unleashing like 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 a tiger in a cage just opening it up. Like And, then, and now you get to frolic <laughs> through the fields and Man. everyone's brains. I've said the word brains a lot. <laughs> I've come to outlive my own brain. Spock's Reba is brain. amazing. Reba is my second favorite fish song of all time. Um, and I gave Reba, Reba, Reba. <laughs> Reba. Reba. I gave Reba 7.4 fins. And Whoa. it is Mount Finculus uh, climber of the entire show. Very sure. clearly. went pretty high myself i went six and a half like i was saying in in the first set there to hear again i love 3.0 i will always love 3.0 and i will stand and probably die by that 3.0 is not offended by any of the remarks made on tonight's podcast the the when you hear page and trey hitting all of reba at like perfectly it is something else trey anastasio unbelievable composer um and it's one of those things too where um i I don't remember who he he was talking to but uh it was his keyboardist for tab right where he said they played they played was it reba i think it might have been reba right he they played out the original music on on a single piano and he was like wow that was really good and you're like yes trey you are that good uh 
Is that Leo. he did that? There was also that for split open and melt. He's like every chord is that's like, the one. I think I think every, but I think all the composed sections from this time he really treated as. Um, he mentions on that uh, stellar uh, podcast, uh, whose name is escaping me right now, about Trey Anastasio Band, and give me a second, and it is named after that song that is called Sand. Uh, <laughs> Alive again, alive again. Great oh, podcast. Yeah. I didn't look that up. I want that on the record. That's still in my memory. No, uh, great. But he mentions that he's like, if you pause any of these at you know any amount of time in the composed section like the chords actually like make sense like there's right. a reason that it's there and, and i think he maybe it. cites herbie hancock as an influence for that that he's like sometimes it sounds like what he's doing is really simple but if you pause it that like the chords are really complex so yeah so i think that yeah. that's yeah a, a couple things i took away from this jam as well first off Hage, the best vocalist since the get-go and by this point like <laughs> you really know you know what i mean he's been the best at singing forever he is so good at it uh i loved it but then you hit the jam section right and and kev you know this jam section is very reminiscent of something i i was wondering if maybe you knew what i'm referring to sugary no we've been listening to a uh you know the veneta <laughs> Grateful Dead, and and there's a certain darkness, if yeah. you will, uh, to this jam as well. And uh, so I'm and just gonna had, go ahead and say it. I and you had starry eyes. Yeah, I do, do, do. I I kind of felt like this was very dark, starry. The way that how psychedelic this jam got. Um, and then the the thing that really blew my freaking mind though is when they end the jam and they hit the dunnit. At the coming out before the whistle part, yeah, Trey's guitar just echoes through the. I'm I'm assuming it's through the venue because he's had the delay on at other parts in the show, and you can't hear it the same way. But the fact that it echoes through the venue, it just shows you how silent everyone must have been at that show for that sound wave to just penetrate everything and just go zooming through space um and i i felt that it's it's screaming one of the most space screaming it, through space yes thank you <laughs> it it literally sucked like the air out of my lungs the are first you, time are i heard you it sure you want to thank me no Zoom. yes <laughs> screaming through space screaming through space <laughs> no getting in trouble with the the, the vets i know <laughs> that's that's my goal that was my goal yeah no i feel what you're saying it's funny because that also that that echo effect also happens a little bit, I think, on the Reba that's played on the Live Fish 13. There's a little bit of yeah. uh, echo on that. I feel like that, yeah, that should have stayed through the 90s, but I don't think it really did maybe as much. Yeah, it's it's so great, and I think there are songs that benefit from this kind of performance that is so energetic and entirely Trey-led, kind of like we're saying in some ways, um, although the band is great. Uh and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I do think that there are certain strengths they had in this era. So I was kind of ranking these based on like I feel like this hits that strength. And sometimes, like in other jam songs that are maybe immediately coming up, I feel like they're a little undercooked in this department. And not think... this one though. The next track. Yeah. 
Okay, so the next track is Tweezer. <laughs> by the band this is Fish. Not, this is not undercooked, sir. Uh well, I mean I beg to differ. Mm. Um I I enjoy this version and again, going with the fish when I when I said the fish greatest hits thing, what I mean is literally like if you want to hear a show where you're hitting every major fish song, you gotta have Tweezer there because Tweezer became a huge jam vehicle for the band. At this point it still was sort of in its infancy and I thought that it's interesting to try to rank this because really I had a hard time uh, going for a lot here and I can already I feel like I we're not looking at each other but I feel like you're like shaking right now I'm, in rage I'm about prepping. what's about I'm holding myself down and I am very so I'm nervous just gonna, I'm just gonna say it immediately that I gave this a 3.5 fin ranking I am so mad at you right now that is not what possible. about all the goodwill we defend had built yourself. up with- defend yourself defend I mean, I think the music defends itself pretty well. Like, you can't pretend that this is like an elite version of Tweezer from any from any capacity. Don't get me wrong. Mm, I like yeah. I like the song Tweezer, but like if if it's not being backed up by an epic incredible jam, it's like eating the cookies of an Oreo without the middle part. It's like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like there's, there's, there's nothing here that, that is, I mean, okay. Trey's amazing. Okay. Granted. Yet he is amazing on literally every other track on this yeah. show as well. There's certain times where we just have to, I think be like, I don't. I I guess you disagreed with me. I just think that the song's undercooked. It's not. It's not Tweezer yet. They just put it in the oven. It's gonna become this incredible thing that we all love. But it's still pretty jokey. And when I mentioned the whole Ween connection, like this I is pretty. Like this is pretty like that uh, live at Cat's Cradle Ween album. It's kind of like, it's real like jokey and funny. So I appreciate it on that level. Like it's not. It's better than. I would say it's a little bit better than like average, hence the three and a half. But it's not—it's not a four for me at this point, and uh, it's not too far away when you think time-wise from becoming pretty epic. So it's just a little underbaked, but it does have some great stuff in it. The whole yelling at Chris Carota, which I don't even know really what that <laughs> is all about. That was so great. <laughs> but they're clear, Chris. Chris. Just like triggering him to that was work nice. the lights at that one part, I guess. Yeah, that was yeah. good. The uh, fish fishman's like, is he snoring in the introduction? That's what it sounds like. Um, like something. I'm. Yeah. I, well, I was thinking maybe <laughs> maybe the with as far as the Chris stuff goes, I was thinking either the light show was unreal or maybe Mr. Kuroda had eaten some of that. You know how they have that like candy that's like the paper candy and it has like the dots. Yeah. on top of it and you could get like and you'd peel off and there'd be some <laughs> I was thinking maybe he had a few of those and they were like let's really mess with uh, Mr. Christopher Chris. tonight Chris Chris oh Chris oh, you don't even eat candy it's high elevations you're just out they, there just I, doing it alright well 
I'm going to shock you with this then. I gave wow. this tweezer a six and a half. Wow. I okay. am, I was loving this. The jokiness was so different for me that I was like, wow, just so cool. Especially, I mean, like, look, obviously, I am a believer that the 2019 tweezer from 1230 is the greatest tweezer of all time. Um, but I just was, I was not expecting, I was thinking this would be such an early tweezer that I wouldn't, that I would just kind of dismiss it. But I just found it so much fun. And even though I listened to the other versions, um, like a couple other versions from this year, and I thought they were really interesting, uh, they just, this one was like so intriguing the way that, uh, like the, the joking fits so well you know what i mean like they do like the whole build up and then when they come out of it and then trey just is like oh yeah i was like i agree i agree sir that was phenomenal that little bit um look john fishman or jose uh fleshman is he is a (laughs) human beam right he is a human beam he is uh just so much fun uh, I, I felt like around the eight minute mark, we got some sloppy Sammies, which I'm calling uh, euros, like gyros. Um, <laughs> and then uh, also, they, they were just doing so much weird stuff. But here's 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 a question. Here's a question. And a sneak attack. Ooh, God, I get it's better, better every time. time. Kev, oh, approximately how many better. versions would you say that the band had played of Tweezer before the show? Better every time um, Ooh, ah. Ooh, ah. okay so oh man i'm giving you a plus minus of three because it um was a little bit confusing on fishnet an over under of three uh it uh it, oh no like like within, within right yeah range. like within if you can hit within three Upwards, I'll give it to you. If you can hit within two below, I'll give it to you. Okay. Um, it's a hard one. Nine? This was the 48th time that Fish had played Tweezer. Shit. So they did play it in 90 then? Yes. God damn it. Isn't that insane? 48 well, I times? Do- yeah, and they had actually on on Fishnet there were a couple that had like it had listed twice for one show, so I was like, huh, that's a little bit confusing. It's like where they went back into like they sandwiched it or that's what I was wondering, but I didn't listen to any of those shows. I mostly listened to the one that you sent me. I think it was the Tipitina one. Yeah, I uh, right. Oh, yeah, baby. That, man, that's that show is all kinds of crazy. <laughs> um, check out people Tipitina's nineteen ninety one. I can't remember when that was. It was like. It was later. Uh, on, right? It's in November, I think. Oh, also, I was going to bring up. This is a tangent. I was going to bring up that I mentioned Dave Matthews Band played uh, at Tracks like for their first gig. Uh, F- uh, Fish had played at Tracks in late. Uh, they played there February twenty eighth. Wow! <laughs> so they so Fish played there like uh, what was it like less than a week before Dave Matthews played their first gig there. It's kind of that was the equivalent of Fish saying, "Show us what you got." <laughs> There's a lot going on at that club. Yeah, I mean, because I was like, because <laughs> I was like, I thought that, 
I, I, you know what? I knew in my heart of hearts that they debuted it in 90 and I didn't go with that instinct. And then I thought, and then I, yeah, that's my explanation for losing. I'm sorry if people understand. I'm sorry I let you down, but I hit you pretty late with it this time. Yeah. I felt that I, I, I felt the looming nature of that coming and it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was a, it was dark time. Sorry. Um, with that said, though, I mean, yeah. In terms of just to put a to put a cap on this maybe very slight fin discrepancy, is that I think <laughs> I think when you hear versions of Tweezer from around this time, they all kind of follow this formula too. So, um, you know, like now if they do that breakdown ending or something, it would be like, oh, that's cool, you know, or like, I, and they did it actually not that long ago, and I know they did it in the twenty thirteen. Uh, in a 2013 shit where they did the, the slow breakdown part at the end. But, um, you know, now it's, it's, it would be kind of like a novelty, but uh, in this period, it's kind of, this is like a pretty rote version. But again, I, I, I appreciate the fact that if you listen to the show, you do hear like every classic fish song. And this is, and this is one of them, you know, Christopher. So. <laughs> Christopher. Oh Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a good one to clip out in anyway. So I'm going to combine the next part here. It's hold your head up into Terrapin, not Terrapin Station for all the people who are looking up fish tapes <laughs> being like, wait. Nope. Terrapin. It? No. It's Shout Terrapin. out to the best member of Pink Floyd. The Sid Barrett song, Terrapin. <laughs> the greatest member of Pink Floyd uh, as far as this podcast is concerned. Uh, didn't have a ton on this um, other than, you know, it's always great for the Henrietta tunes. Uh, and this is definitely like in this period of time, the three quarters of the way through the show, Fishman Henrietta vacuum bit was definitely like a major part of it, like always pretty much. So Terrifying. <laughs> timed in an interesting way, to say the least. I liked uh, Fishman telling Trey at the beginning, you can hear on the thing, him going like, not too fast. Just uh, not too fast. He comes on stage and I think Trey says he's the uh, Henrietta, the hardest working man in show business. There's a line in the song too that's funny because he says we're the fishes in the song. We're the fishes. Yes. Is yes. A lyric. No one back- like cheers at that though. How do you miss that cheer, right? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I agree with you. Come on. At this point, people are maybe... I mean, like, I'm sure they might have been a little spun by now, especially after that Reba. They're just dancing, being like, I don't know what's going on. Or not even dancing, just like, what's going on? I just, I can't imagine, like, you know, having a ton of sugar at the beginning of the night and then, like, coming down and, like, losing your sugar high and you hit this point. Like, I would, I I might be a little, I might be a little, uh... Yeah. Spooked by this point. But this was really sweet, except then he does the vacuum thing and that is, oh my god, that's scary. (laughs) Actually, I thought it was a pretty good. I kind of it got it got it got funky there a little bit. There was like a funky <laughs> breakdown. I kind of dug that <laughs> with so the vacuum. <laughs> it just it, is, really... it sounds so much like a fart that it like scares me yeah. so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It kind of is like the same thing as a fart. It's just like air escaping. <laughs> um, but you know, I think you and I are both pro Henrietta. But are we are we above automatic fours for this kind of thing? So I I went slightly above an automatic four. 
I went. Okay. Did you? So you went auto four? I did. Yeah. I went with a four point two. My reasoning being that, uh, I feel like Trey was like really killing the drums. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, he, yeah, I do know what you mean. Actually. He, he, he grew up on the drums and, uh, sometimes you forget he was a drummer at first, unless you are into fish and then you, of course you don't forget that. Um, and I just, I, I wanted to give a little extra because of how well I thought he was playing. Um, especially, you know, going from then all the way till now. And we've got like the most recent Trey drums is like rescue squad. He really went for it there, but, uh, I just, to me, it was you want him to bring back Crazy. that uh, little kit from the mid '90s, where he's just banging away on the little. <laughs> yeah, he was he was crushing that. Like, uh, the, the, he like hit some stuff know. on this one. That's... He's like hitting the. Yeah, no, the, he's good on this. Hitting he's the good ride on the kit. and stuff. I, I wouldn't bring like, back wow. that thing. Oh yeah, no, no, that's okay. Yeah, pass on that. Yeah, yeah, no bueno. But so yeah, I, I wanted thing. to I wanted to really throw a couple extra things at extra fins at him there just. It it was really good drumming by Trey, and uh, yeah, it's and you know anytime you're wondering about Trey's guitar, like where that sound comes from, where that that tempo and stuff comes from, man, like that's drums, you know, as we all know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think he's competent enough where you were like, oh, he, this could have been a career path had he had he really gone down it, but then things changed, and it's uh, I'm glad they did. Thank goodness, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's fun to hear. I don't know. I uh, I like the, I like the terrapin. I, I don't know. It, it's all right as a song. It, it's, it's it a was funny, nice. It's a nice song. It is a nice song. It's it's one of the. It's that's definitely a debut. I think we can definitely establish that. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, we have not covered that. Um, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a uh, Floyd I'm not a Floyd man myself, but uh, you know Sid Barrett's got his own his own trip, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Um, so you know it's uh, it's a lot, but I mean I don't know. You know it's it's it just is what it is, and so yeah, I feel uh, the auto fours are are hitting hard here for me towards the end of this set, but yeah, because uh, uh, the next one we hit is the Oki Paw ceremony. So did you combine it? Um, I auto forward both Okipa and Golgi, so yes, technically, uh, we go okay. Okipa into Golgi. To end I combined it. them, but I, I, uh, so I would have also auto forward both though, and uh, not into Susie, which is a little bit different. Okipa, a little bit different. Yeah, doing that. We've already burned the Susie, so you gotta, go, <laughs> you gotta go somewhere else. And uh, but yeah, I would also auto forward. There's not uh too much, although I did have a question for you during Gold Golgi, which would be um. Mike is really set back in the mix on this show, and I was wondering if the bass boost on your headphones that you have made it any more prevalent. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> no free oh, ads, nice. but my, but my, yeah, the uh, my headphones have the, like the slider for the bass thing, and I right. love it with these. Uh, going through other '90s shows, yeah, you get ones that are kind of thin, and yeah, no, he he sounded killer. <laughs> uh huh. Lucky duck. Skull Candy, if you would like to be a sponsor, email us at five fence mailbag at gmail. Please. I've um, never heard him on any other podcast, so we could be the first. Yeah, there's probably like a zero percent chance that anyone's listening. Uh <laughs> Well, there's always a chance at everything all. in life is fifty fifty. 
That's true. <laughs> it either happens or it doesn't. It's not true. According to Massachusetts. <laughs> um, but it is according to a prominent scholar of pop culture who can email us at five the mailbag at gmail.com. Um, Oki Pa and Golgi. I mean, that's fun. Um, yeah, fun. Good, good way to end the set. Yeah, there's uh, again with the composed things. I'm glad you get Golgi in there because, as I've said, I think every single time that we've hit this, which is a bunch, a lot, <laughs> many. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, I think it kind of actually a low key, like sneaky, great compose section that you don't think about as much because it's Golgi, but I do really love the middle section of this song a lot, even though it's brief. Um, that is all I had on that. Any other notes on the combo? No. Because then we get to an encore that is all kinds of fun, I think. Uh, (laughs) so they come back on stage and do take the A train. Yes, music. Ellington Jazz Standard. I love this because we haven't hit any version of this before. We haven't hit um, club jazz fish before because every time we've been talking about them so far, they've been like already a pretty big arena band, you know, uh, in in a lot of ways. (laughs) And so that side of them kind of went away. Um, I love hearing this. I got to admit, I gave it five fins. I was excited to hear it. Um, because, you know, we haven't had anything like this before. I mean, it's not like they are like the world's greatest jazz band or anything, but they're like very competent at it, you know? And, uh, it's, uh, I think this is kind of something to point out with people who maybe are skeptical of their level of musicianship to point out that, yeah, well, they actually could be like, you know, a functioning Eh? jazz band in some ways. There's a great gig, uh, around this time where they did, uh, where Fishman was like late to the show. So Trey on drums, speaking of him, (laughs) they just opened the show with like five jazz standards because, you know, Paige playing keys and Mike playing bass. And they just were like, well, we can do these standards. And so they had this in the repertoire. Uh, people have always brought up the idea that, well, what if they brought back, take the A train and MSG? And I have to believe someday maybe they'll do it because it would be great. But, you know, I don't think it really translates to like a room full of people. In it it would have fit. It would have fit better before they built the Q train. But now that the Q train exists, you don't really have to take the A train necessarily. <laughs> well, you know, but still, I mean, it's, you know, it'd be regionally appropriate at the very I mean, least. I don't know. It would be wonderfully cool, too, especially because uh, the first couple times that we saw them there they did take the a train to msg or we we sorry we did take the a train to msg yeah um, so i the only thing i said i gave it a i gave it four fins um i said that yaz yaz sammies i consider those club sandwiches um or monte cristos <laughs> double deckers extra sauce yeah definitely i can see it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's great and then so leading from a train to uh 
Big Black Furry Creatures from Mars, <laughs> which is this closer. Um, I gave this an I gave this an extra. I gave it six. Wow! Uh, because I was just like, I love the juxtaposition. kind of all this encore is right it's like hey uh look yeah we're back on stage doing like the lightest nicest like cover of take the a train and then it's like big black fairy creatures from mars just ripping your face off and yeah afterwards the crowd is clearly wanting more and they and fish is not giving it to them it might be the most absurd fish song which is saying a lot but it's just <laughs> it's just it's just so ridiculous and super punk rock this version super punk rock what was your re- did you, oh you did oh, you sorry. group these together? Uh, no, I gave it a four and a half, four and a half fins. Okay, the count in too is great. The the one two three four count back in that was I thought that was really good. Found myself saying go yeah. as I as I am won't to. I was just going one two three four one two. Come on, say it. One. <laughs> All right. So if my calculations are correct, you end the show with twelve point nine fins remaining. If I'm doing the math correctly, <laughs> that sounds correct, uh, including my I, seven from the last one, right? Yeah, you had seven and a half right. coming in. You got twelve point nine coming out. That sounds right. Um, and you still gave out a lot of. You still gave out extra fins. Yes, I where did. they were deserved. I I ended up with twenty. I had twenty two point five. Uh, so I I paired I'm it down. Up. I'm <laughs> catching up. <laughs> catching up. Um. I wanted to bring up a final point about this show, if you'll let me uh, kind of soliloquy at the end. Is that the word? Do it. Going back to the show was funny because I really love it for the reasons that I specifically love it. But part of the reason I think I was so harsh on my jam, the ratings on the jammier songs is because the reason I primarily love Fish is their, the marriage of this sort of deeply composed progressive rock side of them and the improvisational side going through this show just listening to it a bunch and even hearing other 91 shows around it i was like this is a good version of one of those things but not the other (laughs) and i just think um very soon in their career they're going to become a band that is good at both of those things simultaneously so i think part of the thing with this era i i like it and i find it really fun and charming like 1992 they get into the secret language stuff a lot which is really fun and like okay, following it is great that happened happening a little bit in this show there's there's kind of the, one of the teases i think at the beginning of esther there's a yeah uh, secret it's like language a start side. over thing right so yeah so um it might be the it's whatever the da 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 whatever that one uh, is. But so, yeah, I mean, that that makes it more fun. But it's like, I don't know if you feel me on this, that I just think as a band, I think they really rounded into form. I'll go with like August of 93, I think, is like the beginning of their idea of, yes, we can combine this crazy, tightly wound, fast composed stuff with all of this jamming. Right, And I think, yeah. I think before this, they're still... 
they're still getting there. And then obviously you get like them playing with horns and stuff, like which is fun and great. But I'm glad that they didn't go down that road either, like permanently. Yeah, um, that's for sure. So that's definitely true. That was that. That was kind of my thought. Is I was like, I do really love this show. When I want to hear, when I want to hear Fluffhead, and it's just like tight and great. <laughs> I want to hear that guy go favorites here at the theater, and like if I want to hear just a solid version, even like even something like Bowie. To be honest, that I'm just like I don't feel like choosing anything. I just want to hear. You know, I know this is like a solid go to, like straight down the middle, <laughs> quote unquote greatest hits version of like early fish. But if you're looking to hear the best version of uh, any of these songs, I think you could probably find them elsewhere. 2019. What's that? Uh, 20, what, 2019? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought, you were doing a, I thought you were doing the theater guy again. I was like, oh, let it. <laughs> Put it on my tab. <laughs> Did you no, have any? But, uh... Yeah, these are. Uh, I think uh, my, my final impression of the show was that uh, while it didn't, sell me on the finality of my opinion as far as where I lay my loyalties the most heavily. Uh, it was so much fun. I had so much fun listening to this show. And yeah, I know it's very, stuff. yeah, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's real special. It was basically, you can tell that they're a group of young dudes who are just, relentlessly fucking with the people who are at their shows. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine being at one of these shows and being sugar high by any means. Uh, it would have made me slightly uncomfortable, I think. Um, but so, so much fun to listen to, and I'm glad we did it, and I can't wait for more. Yeah, so uh, I have to ask you here on the spot, do you have your next selection ready for the Five Fins audience? Yes, I do have my next one picked out. I decided to go with... Pray um, tell, Dan. <laughs> I have decided to go with October 26th of 2018 at Rosemont, Illinois. Oh, baby. Say it one more time because daddy's got to type it in too fast. <laughs> 10, 26, 2018. Got some fun stuff happening in this show. And it it's going to be an interesting juxtaposition going from what we have just listened to as far as uh, composed sections go because there are a few. I believe we were webcasting the show, which is pretty likely for anything past a certain for anything year. But past Baker, Baker's dozen, I think, was like the beginning of us like always doing it. Like right, yeah. At so. least checking in, yeah. So, oh man, yeah, this is gonna be, yeah. Well, yeah, the juxtaposition thing happens also because we're covering a show from, like I said, like before my lifetime. So it was like a while ago <laughs> that they sounded like this. <laughs> um, Not before my and, lifetime, though. That's right. You were a you were already a jaded vet. It, ha- it was it's a, it happens early. <laughs> it's more funny if we don't actually say when we were born, so people still don't know. Yeah, it's like, we'll just have to be guess. A, Dan is eighty four years old. He sounds young, folks, but he is he's, he's he's. I'm eighty four years old. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun, Dan. Thank you for uh, indulging my nineteen ninety one interest in oh. fishing. Yeah, and if you talk about. Um, Wanting to go back to earlier years. Uh, your wish is my command, buddy boy. I got a couple in mind, and uh, I'm not going to reveal them yet. People, we'll just, people we'll just, aren't ready for that. As long as we keep hitting Esther, too, I'm happy. Keep hitting what? <laughs> Esther. As long as we keep oh, yeah. getting some Esters, I'm good. Oh, oh, oh you want Esther? <laughs> I'll, I'll give you some Esther. <laughs> um, thanks to everybody for tuning in, if there are anybody out there. And if there are, for God's sakes, email us at fivefinsmailbag at gmail.com. It's it's not 
it well it is a bit but it's a it's bit a and bit. it's real um <laughs> and i haven't checked it today but i'm pretty sure we're at zero still we gotta get come on we mostly somebody just out there. laugh at the absurdity but that's that's the bit in itself is is if we won't be able to laugh anymore if you guys send it to us which isn't a, a no we'll laugh harder if someone sends us something we will i promise we will laugh harder every single time that we get an email <laughs> You'll at least be read on the podcast, which is the only reason you'd want to That's true. email a podcast, right? I mean, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. I mean, if you don't like our <laughs> intro section, then you should email us so that we can talk about your uh, email, and which, you know, of course, Fiveman Mailbag. Mailbag at gmail.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We are going to. Uh, try as hard as we can to be more professional. We're going to try to p- crank out one of these a month. I'm going to say it. If I cut this out, it's because we have once again failed you. <laughs> but we're going to try. I think uh, we, we hit a little bit of a snag this summer, both of us. But uh, we understand Finland needs this content, if nobody else. So, Especially with winter coming. I think it's dark the entire time there. we got to figure out how to say email us in Finnish. I'll, is it just email? Is email? I, like I might a, even have a finished book upstairs. <laughs> I don't even have a finished book. Um, <laughs> so, thanks everybody for tuning in, and we will catch you next time on Five Fins. Bye.